Speaking of brown-eyed, handsome man, that doesn't apply to anyone here. Hi. Correct. Uh, hello there. Hi. I have blue eyes. Yes. We are. Do we all have blue eyes? Andy, you have blue eyes? You have brown eyes. They're like blue and okay. greenish. Oh, yeah, mine are cool. blue-green something. Like, uh, the, all of our hair is just slightly too dark to be full airy. And hi, welcome to Designated Hits. True. Uh, Designated I the Hits. Yes, this... This is, uh, Josh, why don't you give us the elevator pitch for what Designated Hits is? We like arguing, we like music, and uh, we all know how to play baseball, so basically you take a band... Only one of those statements is true. Maybe two. Well, you're arguing right now, so that one's true. <laughs> exactly. And we do like music, but I mean... We know. Uh, hey, we didn't say we were good at baseball. Right, that's, we never said we said we, We're the we've best seen fucking it. baseball players in the world. He said, we know how to play. Game of fundamentals. Get it together. <laughs> it's true. Anyway, go on. Basically, uh, we wanted to decide who the better band is by putting them in a game of baseball. The National Pastime. and Sorting it out that way. The National Pastime. Football. Uh, baseball. You... Yes. Uh, how you doing, Andy? I'm doing alright. And I have dubbed the the little method that I use to kind of score these songs, uh, the plum or plums since the S is score, but it's based on their popularity or catchiness, their lyrical depth or just lyrical quality, the uniqueness of the song or its special value to you and the music quality or the quality of the track overall. And, uh, you know, you tally those up out of five each and uh, give them a score. That's what I've Good. done with mine, but Josh, Josh is that, wants to argue with is me. That, uh, is that you or is that your... you farting or... Man, I ain't moving. Some is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, we are off to a wonderful start here on it's this Sunday good. evening. Uh, so... So uh, I have my own scoring system. I call it ABBA, A-B-B-A. It's a binary banger assessment. I just say if a song's yes or no, a banger. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I am the uh, <laughs> users left your channel. I am, uh, as the umpire, I'm going to have to give that one to Josh. Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> so uh, uh, Josh picks one band. Andy picks another. One is the home team. One is the away team. And I'm the umpire. Uh, one of the, Josh will field a pitcher, 
Andy will field batters. Each batter up against the pitcher, I will decide uh, who gets a single, you know, strikeout, single, double, home run, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then we go, uh, who is the home team and who is the away team for this one? Oh, by the way, uh, so Josh is Nirvana and Andy is Pearl Jam. We try and do two bands that are sort of similar, come from like a uh, the, the same background and like era. Uh, who is home and who is away? I mean, I don't care. I thought we had figured, y'all had figured this out beforehand on the last episode. Um, I was home last time, so Josh okay, so Josh, be home. There all right, go. Josh. Whatever's right. going on. Okay. So, so my pitcher's up first. All right. Uh, I'm going to do this F1 style. Uh, 150? So things, th- so things don't get too out of hand. I'm going to start a timer for an hour and 45 minutes. Oh, man. And we're going to see where we're at at the end of that. Top of the first. All right. Go. Your first pitcher. Oh, also, I don't know what the lineups are because I feel Wait. like that's a better way of doing it. Are we not introducing our bands? Or are we just... Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, go, Josh. Introduce your band. All right. Oh. My band's Nirvana. Um, I think everybody knows Nirvana. I don't have to go too much into that. Uh, they're a band that a lot of people pick up on as teenagers and kind of mean something to you when you're a teenager and you grow with them. Um, but, you know, I've grown and I've started to reconsider my heroes from when I was a kid, kind of add some nuance to things. Uh, dealt with question in Nirvana and what they stood for and if I actually align with them. Uh, Nirvana is the kind of band that made me excited to do this podcast and gave me a chance to investigate, do some soul searching, figure out if I could actually defend my love for Nirvana or if it was something I should leave behind and admit they were never as deep or poetic as I thought and that they were just confirmation on my own poor moral compass as a teenager and my own inability to think critically. Um, to me, it really comes back to what you think about Kurt Cobain. So I really dove into Cobain. He was a... Uh, Died at 27. He was a troubled artist, as the stereotype goes. Um, his poetry came to represent a um, a movement in the 1980s and early 90s that is known as postmodernism. Uh, it was a uh, postmodernism nihilism, is what I was calling it. But that's really just grunge in general. Uh, to clarify, uh, postmodernism is defined as the it's defined by its skepticism, irony, rejection of narratives. Targeting things that were accepted truths and human nature, which, you know, was a concept that really arose in the um, in the late 80s, early 90s. It's uh, interesting to me how that movement was kind of seen not only in music, but in movies. Yeah. Um, one of the big, which is our other big cultural connection to art. So at this time, there was a big director's boom with people like Spike Lee, Steven Soderbergh, and two directors I kind of want to focus on. Tarantino, oh who had Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, yep. and the Coen Brothers. Who at this time put out Milner's Crossing and Barton Fink. Oh. So these were really self-referential statements. They were about other works. They were overly complicated. But aesthetically, they were really pleasing. You know, if you watched them. You know, um, have you seen Barton Fink and Milner's Crossing, Adam? I have. Okay. So Barton Fink was written during Milner's Crossing. It's about the writing process. And it's really about the Coen brothers. It's this really super meta thing. It's, Um, uh, that's, um, Totoro, right? Totoro, yes. Yeah, basically so, um, playing an amalgam of the two Coen brothers. Exactly, yeah. And uh, it kind of, uh, it asked a bunch of questions at movies before it didn't, like, do the good guys need to win? Do you need a set ending? Um, you know, the noir movement by Tarantino, how impersonal does a movie need to be? But um, the one consistency in those movies is the misanthropic character and, um, you know, the wolf in Pulp Fiction or Totoro's character in Barton Fink. They have a disdain for mankind that, you know, we associate with tarantino and the coen brothers today but at that time they were like overly glorified 
um, in my opinion. But grunge took these ideas, reimagined them a little further by giving them a nihilist anarchist lens. And this is true for Nirvana and Pearl Jam at this point. Um, and like today, when you look back on that kind of stuff, you, you kind of like, it seems apathetic and out of touch. And I think that's just how like people grow. Like we, we've learned what to do with those thoughts that the world sucks. And like, we've learned what to do with how we think about those things. So, but to contextualize where these bands came from, the nineties began at the end of the 80s. Greed. At the end of the eighties, yes, eighties greed, <laughs> Reaganomics, the disappearing middle class. Yeah, the, also like it can't it can't be overstated that like Jesus Christ the um <laughs> the uh, like going from the eighties to the nineties things were really bad in the eighties with like crime mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like everyone was expecting that like the world's going to end of the night. Like if things yeah, keep getting exactly. worse, it's all done. Yeah, and uh, like when people talk about crime rates. Crime rates now are at historic lows. Right. Like the most dangerous city in America today would have been a a utopia in like 1984. Yeah, I think crime like peaked in like 92, and it's been downhill yeah. ever since. And it's like, and with crack and AIDS, and like it's all it was all looking bad. Yeah, and just terror in general. It was everything was bad. Um, and obviously Cobain was like 21 to 23, like trying to grow up in this. Yeah. Um, I found a quote from Lena Dawes, the author of Black Women in Metal, Hardcore, and Punk, who said that Nevermind was the voice of the generation who didn't buy what Reagan had tried to sell. Interesting. And that's that's really where that's, like Cobain comes down to me. Um, the problem is, is identifying the problem isn't enough. Like today, we know how to make a difference. We know what to do with that and how to put ourselves on that right side of history. And like, it's really cool to see how like that movement kind of branched off in two directions. Like. If you didn't associate the empathy or if you didn't evolve to like accept the correct truths or to challenge your own beliefs after you challenged other people's beliefs, like it really led to the like alt-right free thinkers culture we have today. Yeah. Um, you know, the same thought that's hold on. The same thought that says maybe women should have a larger role in society that isn't so disempowered can lead like the same thought that started that can end with Earth is flat and white men are the most oppressed members of society. <laughs> Prove me wrong. Yeah. And like that realization is meaningless if you end up there. Um, if you need proof, Donald Trump emerged during this yeah. era, era as like he was the tenth most admired man in the U.S. in December 1998. So like Nirvana and Pearl Jam, they're products of this culture, and it's been 30 years, and it's like it's hard to say. Like like when uh, no, Trump was elected, there was a meme going around that said the, of a uh, it was fake news about Cobain saying he would have voted for Donald Trump for president, which yeah never happened, but you can see where that association came from. It, um, it's the idea of like the the disaffected. It's it's so you mentioned it's it's interesting that you mentioned flat Earth because it's this idea of like the the disaffected loner who has been left behind right. by society. Like I watched the uh, the Trouble with the Curve documentary uh, or oh, wow. whatever it's called. It's like it's about it's a documentary on Netflix about flat earthers. And my biggest takeaway from it was sympathy mm-hmm. because like. You, you look at this stuff, and yeah, it's easy to mock and, and talk about how, like, these people are ridiculous and stupid, and they are. But you watch that, and it's obvious, like, oh, it's not that these people actually think this is true. It's that these people have never been accepted anywhere, and they finally found somewhere that would accept them. Yep. And they didn't care what it cost. They didn't care what they had to believe, what they had to buy into. Uh, all they cared about was that they now had people that wanted them around. And yeah, Exactly. And that's like where a lot of that stuff comes from. Those terrible online communities yeah. and, and whatnot come from like people that just want to feel like they belong 
but the you know maybe there's a reason why they have trouble belonging it's because they right you know have those like toxic tendencies you could have said that about you know cobain yeah and you could have said the same thing about alex jones like yep and like that was an important point because like this is where billy corgan came from too so if oh you don't boy. think it could have went yep. bad like I it easily could have like i have not made that connection at all but yeah God. exactly like we you don't really associate it but like Corgan was an example of somebody we had to figure out wasn't doing it correctly. Like, yep. I think Pearl Jam actually did it the right way. Like they got their three CDs in and like kind of disappeared. Like they stopped yeah. making videos. They stopped. They just wanted to tour. Right, Andy? Okay. From um, what you told me. Yes. I can't believe Andy's dead. Sorry. No, I, I was just letting you guys talk. Just, I didn't want to breathe into the microphone any louder than I already was. It's all good. Uh, but I think like, I really wanted to do a deep dive and find out if Cobain was more like, Corgan are more like somebody that grew out of yeah. this and learned what to do with it. Because like when I was younger, when I was like, like when we were like you know nineteen twenty, I kind of viewed Kurt Cobain as like I think Kurt Cobain was a, a dude who was really smart, but like he was too smart to know he was kind of full of shit. Yeah, exactly. like that's what he always struck me as. Where it's like he thinks he is way like deeper and more interesting than he actually is. So I have a kind of interesting point to make about that, but I'll get to it when we get to smells like Teen Spirit. Okay, but um. No, what I wanted to say about Cobain is Dave Grohl really summed up what I felt about Cobain, which is a quote. It says, I think more than angst and gloom and doom, there was catharsis. That's what made the yeah. engine that drove the entire thing. And that's like what I hear when I hear Cobain. Like I hear him figuring like it's the catharsis. Like it's him figuring yeah, it's, out what's it's happening idea around that, like, him. I don't think Kurt Cobain ever wanted to be the voice of a generation, but he wanted to be the voice that could amplify the frustrations like yeah, exactly. he's like I don't want to like I don't want to speak for you or like I don't want you guys to think that I know the answer but we're all pissed off and I've got some really yeah. like loud drums and guitars and we let's I, just be pissed off together. I think he wanted to be the screenwriter not the actor. Like yeah. I think he wanted to be he wanted to say what was happening but not be it. And um so going back to where we were earlier like when the recession let up and when we started to figure these things out like look at what happened to the Coen brothers and Tarantino, like Tarantino did his karate movies. Like yeah. he got a lot less serious and a lot less like full of himself as it yeah. seems. And like, obviously but we more got full of himself in some ways. It's yeah. Weird. It's Tarantino's Tarantino a weird, is weird. He's weird. Yeah. But like the Coen brothers, like 10 years later, they were doing big Lebowski and Oh brother, where art thou? Like, yeah, like those aren't necessarily different movies, but you look at like Donnie from big Lebowski yeah. differently. You understand. Yeah. And like, like the I think Lebowski, that's it, it, it's always fascinating to me because it is a movie about nothing. Yeah, exactly. Like, nothing happens. Like, the plot is is nothing. Nothing is really, like, point A to point B. Nothing, no one grows. No one really changes. It's kind of the antithesis of what screenwriting should be. And that's mm -hmm. what's the genius about it. Yeah. And, like, we've got to watch the Coen Brothers grow. I think it's really interesting that, like, the Coen Brothers' two darkest movies, which is probably Barton Fink. I don't know. Miller's Crossing was pretty dark from what I've read. Yeah. I've never seen that one. But that and No Country both came out like during recessions. Like, it's yeah. really interesting how that kind of affected, like, maybe yeah. affected them. But uh, I just think it's important to make that note about Cobain before we start because that's really where I wanted to get this kicked off is with the idea that Nirvana is about the catharsis of the moment and not yeah. about some angst or alienation to them personally. Yeah. But um, musically, they're pretty pretty simple. Like, they did a lot more with production quality than actual music. Um, Butch Vig, who who uh, yes. produced their second From two albums, the Pixies, I believe. Yes, um, and later another band, but I don't have it down. But yeah, he was in the Pixies. He yeah. um he did garbage? a lot with garbage. That's it. Yeah, um, he did a lot with their music with um, 
mix sound mixing and like mm-hmm. the, it's developing variation. Like there's one song where he like pans the guitar from side to side to kind of add some chaos to it. Yeah. A lot of work in there that really adds to it. But I think the thing about a Nirvana song is like how it starts off with a super complicated riff and mm-hmm. it sounds like that's going to carry through the song, but it doesn't, but you never notice that it stopped because yeah. the drums come in so heavy and loud and Cobain so loud and the song's processing it's, and you just don't pay attention to the yeah, fact that, like it's it starts with this like in these intricacies that give way to chaos yeah and um that's really because cobain was not a good guitarist like he was yeah like just not very skilled at it but that's um, why they got a pat smear to yeah. actually be the guitarist exactly even though he just get talked about right um but yeah that's that's pretty much all i gotta say i just wanted Man, to get started on that shit. note with nirvana yeah yeah that's a good shit uh all right andy what do you what uh deep uh cultural commentary do you have to say about pearl jam well i mean josh already essentially spoke about the era that both of these bands were like getting big in but uh i mean pearl jam like he said was uh essentially just wanting to do uh tours like they just wanted to be a fucking touring band uh it's kind of like uh, MGMT, like you mm-hmm. know they made they made the shit that people wanted to hear first, and then they made what they wanted to make once they got yeah. Let's say and then they made sure that they didn't make anything that anyone wanted to hear ever again. No, I mean like they they made their music. Oh though. yeah, and uh, you know having listened to too much Pearl Jam over the past weeks, uh, <clears throat> they pretty much hit it right on the head, and then just fucking started hammering the board. Because uh, it was trash pretty much everything after those first few albums, uh, to me. Like, I was trying to find a deep cut like we did last time with uh, After the Fall. I was like, oh, damn, After the Fall is so fucking good. What does Pearl Jam have? And every one of them... Uh, Jammy. Every one of them that didn't sound like the good ones that you already know sounded like trash that you didn't want to hear or I didn't want to hear uh personally and uh you know I I just think that uh they execute it differently but I think they're doing similar things to what uh Nirvana was doing it's just not like the movement it's more of the individual successes within the movement like uh Jeremy like you just said is you know really specific and still uh you know kind of broad strokes of uh a much bigger topic that people don't really talk about but yeah uh, yeah you know they they were doing similar things but they executed them very differently and i think we should just get down to it all right yeah all right, all uh, right. so one note real quick yes um when it comes to the lyrics, like just these two bands are both like, I'm not going to say anything bad about Pearl Jam. Yeah. But I think what it comes down to is like Nirvana was writing from a place of a troubled mind trying to figure yeah. it out. And uh, Eddie Vedder was coming from a place of a troubled heart trying to figure it out. Yeah. Cause and like both of their shits real dark in a lot of ways. Dark. Although mm-hmm. I think, real I think Pearl Jam is darker. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's def- especially for the songs I picked. Yeah. <laughs> I had to pick, uh, I had to get rid of the fixer just because it's so much brighter than anything. And that's, I think that's and it, why it I actually like that song so anything. much. Yeah. 
No, it's it's a happy song I, from I, Pearl Jam. Because it was and like, like wow, oh, this is so, Pearl Jam? Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, uh, 2010. Not to, uh, not to step on your arguments or anything, Andy, but uh, I think if I'd had Pearl Jam, my closing picture would have been Just Breathe. Just because we don't get that song from either from either band besides that one song where he says, you know, where he comes to the point where he's content and happy with his life. The, yes, I understand every life must end. Or the, I'm a lucky man to count on one hand, or count on both hands all the people I love. Like, we don't get that yeah. from hmm. the other bands. Yeah, and that's I why I would have chosen that song. I think I've ever heard that song. You did. It came out right after The Fixer. It was huge. Oh, I'm just glad, uh, Andy, you didn't choose Last Kiss, that cover of that terrible song that I hate. I would have disqualified you. I fucking hate that song. We made an agreement not to do covers. I hate that song. I hate that song. I hate every version of that song. Well, sorry, you never uh, lost a loved one. I never lost my Uh, baby in a a car crash. Aware, aware. (laughs) I feel like I'm making Andy's argument for him here, but um, I think Black is a better version of that song. I think it's Black. Is that the one, Andy? Yeah, it's, it's very kind of like that. Uh, yeah, it's uh, not we'll like get into the, it once we get into it. I don't think you know. I have black, but okay. Uh, Why not? Because you didn't give Go it to there, me, dude. You gave me Jeremy Yellow, Once Alive, Better Man, Daughter, Elderly Woman, whatever the fuck, and even Flo. Black was not on that list. That's eight songs. It's in there. That's eight. God, God Add black. Damn it! It's God on the playlist. Fucking... We sent you a fucking playlist. Listen. Adam. So Andy a list of songs. It's right after the game. an elderly woman behind the counter right. in a hey, small town. According guess to MLB what? Shut Rule up. 5, Andy's been disqualified. But he hey, play. I had 10 players on last Sunday when we yeah, made well, this list. You're and on. I had 9 today. The lineup you turned into the ump says otherwise. No, the lineup the ump took says otherwise. Listen... Have you seen? I had him uh, the, the correct. As I am, as I'm vamping for time. Have you seen the uh, the the robot umpire? Yeah. Yeah, that thing looks wild. It does. Uh, CNET did a video about it. It's uh, it's something. I don't. I don't know. I mean, any kind of AI and you know umpiring has worked up to this point. So like, I'm not against it, but he just seems weird for baseball. Yeah. Yeah, like it's, so much it's, of baseball is like yeah, baseball was deception. so much of baseball was just being wrong. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it's the idea that like each it basically move like it looks at every batter, looks at their height, and it's like, all right, here's the strike zone. Mm-hmm. So like, but it doesn't factor in like batting stance, crouching. It's like, nope, here's the strike zone based off of how tall you are, uh, which I think is like the one thing they need to work out. But uh, yeah, that's an that's interesting. I haven't thought about it. I didn't hear that, but I haven't thought yeah. about it that way. Yeah, it's, like, it's some just guys, based off of their height. Because like, there was a guy named Jeff Bagwell that played in the 90s who would crouch down until he was like literally sitting on the ground. So you would think, and if like he was going to take, he would stay in that crouch. But if he was going to swing, he would stand up a little. So like, yeah, he kept his batting, he kept his uh, batter's box small until he uh, was going to swing, which seems like seems like it should be me. against the rules. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, baseball's weird. It is. All right, you Josh, know? who's your who's your opening pitcher? My opening picture is Smells Like Teen Spirit. That, that's right, man. Are you, uh, 
which one was which? I was I was joking because <laughs> rate me. Is, it's not on my list, but that's I'm kind of. Talking over the damn song. All right, Josh. You have Talking a couple of Kurt Cobain. <laughs> listen, listen. It shows an incredible amount of self-control on my part that there is no weird owl on my soundboard right now. All right. <laughs> I'm just saying. I almost yeah. opened it. That. that would be good. Uh. So, Josh, talk. Tell me about tells like tells like. Tell me about smells like Teen Spirit. So, um. Basically, every Nirvana song has, like, three major influences to figure out, like, what it's about. The catharsis we discussed, like, mm-hmm. how Cobain was growing and aging as a person. But I swear, more songs than you think are, like, a projection of his observations of the women in his life. And, like, okay, he was really interested. I, I know it sounds like we're going to get there, but he was really interested in understanding, like, the perspectives of the women that surrounded him. Um so a backstory on Smells Like Teen Spirit. Um, Nevermind was written in the after he broke up with his girlfriend, Toby Vale, who was the founder of Bikini Kill and That's the right. starter of the right girl movement. Yeah. Um, the, uh, yeah. She, um, her and Kathleen Hanna, you know, they mm-hmm. started uh, Bikini Kill together. And um, Kirk Cobain was and heavily influenced by her. They um, set, uh, first they of all, set she's Andy awesome. up. They set Andy up for an incredible moment playing rock band that one time. They did. Um, yeah. But it was 1991, so a straight white male got to be the voice of feminism, even though it, it should have been Toby Bell and Kathleen Hanna. Yeah. Um, but after they broke up, he spent a lot of time writing in his journal about, like, what he said, like, what he interpreted wrong about Toby and what he did wrong to ruin it. Yeah. Like, where he went wrong and how things, which, you know, it it's difficult. But um, he admitted that, like this sitting and reflecting is where a lot of the anger from smells like teen spirit came from but i think the catharsis did as well um yeah um so teen spirit was written after uh kathleen hannah wrote on the mirror kurt smells like teen spirit it was a night of the, the two because of the, the deodorant yeah deodorant and it was the deodorant that toby wore and it was he knew that them two were together um it was written after they spent the night going around town writing fake abortion clinic on this, on these uh, chain of pregnancy clinics in like these really holier than thou teenage pregnancy clinics in Seattle. And they would just graffiti fake abortion clinic on it and go to the next one. Um, on one of them, they spray painted Kurt smells like teen spirit. And he asked for permission to use that as the song title. No, uh, Kathleen Hanna wrote that on the mirror in the hotel. There it is. Yeah. And that's where the song title came from, Damn, and Kathleen had to couldn't figure out what it was Shit. about. But um, um, I really think the song has a lot more to do with like the catharsis of like that experience than anything. Yeah. But um, one thing he did that was really cool with the lyrics, like he wrote incomplete lyrics in the lyric book with the CD, and there was no real way to interpret it or understand what he was saying. Um, but his idea was for you to get the general message of "Smells Like" without interpreting his lyrics too closely to like get what he was trying to say because he really did want it to be a pop song he really admired rem and yeah um other bands like that and he really wanted it to catch on with a bunch of people but he didn't want it to be just about him um but i think like the line she's overboard and self-assured oh no i know a dirty word like i think that's about vel and her like strength yeah and like where she was coming from from the song but what he witnessed with vel and hannah and like 
what it meant to like stand up for something you believe in and to fight for something and to be different and to say what you want. I think that was the the epiphany that he really wanted to gather from it. Um, but yeah, he just, um, I think that the lyrics are supposed to be misunderstood. Um, yeah. Like, I feel like it's like one of those things where he's like, hey, like, I don't want you to pick apart my lyrics to get the meaning. I want, like, uh, what does the song make you feel? That's the correct interpretation. Right, yeah. Um, I have my notes, uh, little side note. It's one of the biggest songs ever. Yeah. I don't, it's mm-hmm. just You cannot be understated <laughs> how big that song was. It hey, changed but, the world. But, like, it changed it pop culture. He was, he was trying to make the ultimate pop yep. song. And yep, he was. It, his main influence was the Pixies. And, yeah, uh, he's, he likes the Pixies a lot. Yeah. Like, but it it's essentially the ultimate grunge, like, anti-pop song. Like, everybody likes it, but it's it's yeah. not about the same stuff. Like, it right. took, like, it went out, it took, like, hair metal out back and put a shell on the back of its head. Like, single-handedly, <laughs> this song, like, we, we always talk about how, like, a decade, when it comes to, like, culture doesn't end at the end of the decade. Like when is like, when did the eighties turn into the nineties? It was like 92, 93. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh God. And I think that the thing, like the eighties became the nineties when smells like teen spirit came out. And then it really solidified when Jurassic park came out. Like those were the two things that kind of put the eighties to bed and changed yeah. like our culture. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. It's fucking wild, but yeah, it's a, it's a good ass song. Like, even today, you can't really like it is a banger, like, and I can't even tell you why. It's just one of those things where it's like it's just like he also hated the song, Kurt Cobain. Yeah, I can see that. So okay, every yeah. chance he got, he would uh, remove it from the set list. Yeah, uh, yeah, they got really tired of playing it. Hated playing this. I think I think that has a lot to do with like him like really yeah. getting bad off on heroin and like yeah falling apart and like knowing that toby was like probably the chance he had to become the best version of himself and really hating like what happened and they were looking back on chose courtney love instead yeah yep uh okay so andy uh, let me get my volume back up uh first pitcher coming up to the mound what we got or first batter coming up to the to the end zone what do we got (laughs) it's alive get to the chorus i mean you didn't have to that's good it for, but i appreciate it 
It's good. I ain't even mad about it. It's yeah, a good it song. Real, it's, it's a real, really good song. It is really good. Yeah, that's why that's on yeah. my team here. Uh, anyway, so you know, what Josh a flex gave to start us all off that alive uh, when your lead singer's alive. Hey, he oh, gave us him. all that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is. Uh, it is definitely a shot fired at uh, Nirvana at, oh, at Kurt Cobain's head with a shotgun. Yep. But anyway, uh, now that he's dead, I mean, out of the way. Uh, this song is about. Uh, it's it's a three part thing. It's this song, uh, once and footsteps. I didn't get footsteps on my list, but uh, anyway, this song goes like mini, places. It's a mini opera. Yeah, and uh, the whole story is that uh, this kid uh, gets told by his mom, or no, by his stepdad, that uh, his real dad died when he was 13 and uh then much later in this uh the stepdad dies and because he looks so similar to mm -hmm. his biological father uh they have an incestuous relationship yeah fucked up it's, it's weird wild uh but oh, know, it's... no never mind, never mind keep on oh yeah i will mother trucker uh yeah. On my score, I gave uh, on the plum rating a five. Yeah, on my plum rating, I gave it a five for popularity or catchiness, just because you know people were listening to it despite not knowing what it was. Yeah, like, despite like it being about like, they were yeah. listening to it, or yeah. excuse me, they were hearing, hearing it, it, but they, were they listening weren't to listening it. to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I gave it a five on lyrics as well just because it sounds really good and it's a fucking wild story there yeah uh, uniqueness uh it's not very unique when it comes to pearl jams like uh nirvana a lot of them sound exactly the same uh but that's interesting. especially these good ones i gave it like a yeah. three because for but me, it's, it's good. I feel like with like the bangers, Nir Pearl Jam. I don't know what it is, but Pearl Jam has way more variety in the bangers than Nirvana. Though looking, listening just through the songs that that, that you guys have picked, I, I did come yeah. away being like, oh yeah, these bands have more uniqueness than I realized. Like, um, yeah, like it's it's yeah. not a whole lot uniqueness. Yeah. Like you think they kind of all sound the same, but, but yeah, like when you hear a song, uh you're going to know almost immediately it's Pearl Jam or it's Nirvana. Yeah. Like, you're going to be able to say... I have a like, question oh, for shit. you, too. Yeah. Do y'all yeah. think that these two bands really suffered from like bands trying to recapture what they did? Because there's a lot of post-grunge bands. Like, 100%. Like, Pearl Jam like, suffered I don't know because... Any... Like, Pearl Jam suffered Creed. because Creed existed. And Nirvana yeah. suffered from, like, Puddle of Mud. Like, uh, there's just yeah. so many bands yeah. that really thought they could get big by mimicking these two bands i don't, uh, I, I just thought about that as i went well like i think i think that's true because like like look at like like 80s like hair metal like you have like bands like van halen that were pioneers and really good mm -hmm. were like looked worse because of like i don't know quiet riot and like yeah. other like bands that are like trying to you know keep doing and speaking of which i'm really confused josh because you got all these great nirvana songs which you left out you left off half the man i used to be and I don't yeah, understand. Uh... <laughs> I don't understand like why you didn't like that one. Half yeah. the men I used to be were those two bangers. 
Josh. <laughs> right. <laughs> But right. yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, Before I, I, I was really so. interrupted yeah. by uh, Josh talking shit. No, it's a podcast. Everybody I'm just talking talk. trash, Josh. Why Man. are you so defensive? I've never been mad at you. Uh, <laughs> you best be sweet, though. No, that was you, remember? I know. Adam. I try not to. Yep, you better stay awake because I'll be over there. Uh, for the music, I gave it 5 out of 5. So it's got a total of 17. You know, it's pretty, pretty top charge stuff. 17 out uh, of 20? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Pretty, yeah. It doesn't get a whole lot better than that. Only three points better, actually. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're all pretty high for they're... both sides. I think the lowest on either side was 14 from what I gave them. Just because we're picking bangers. Like, we're picking yeah. the designated hits. But, uh, you know, real solid popularity because it's catchy as fuck even if you're not listening to it. You can hear it all the time, but you're not actually listening to it. Uh, lyrics are great. Uh, not super unique, but I gave it three out of five on that just because it's you know, it's Pearl Jam, and you know it's Pearl Jam, but it sounds similar to all of their other songs, too. Uh, and I'm hearing an echo every time I do anything, Adam. No. It's breaking my brain. Oh, uh, I don't... <laughs> wait, I'm echoing? Yes. How? I mean... I'm hearing myself on yours. I'm it's, hearing something. I, no, yeah, I'm not hearing much, no. though. That's weird. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not loud or anything. Anyway, it's just, here, let me do just it. breaking my whole brain. Uh, and, you know, five out of five on music. Total of, that's actually 18, not 17. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a good song. Like, uh, I don't have all this backstory like uh, Josh does, uh, but... You know, mine doesn't need it because the song itself tells the story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, man. I mean, you do. His life is yeah, the backstory. Like, yeah, like if you, man, you want to get into, uh, you think that it's just wait until we eventually do Green Day. It's gonna be a twelve. It's gonna be a five parter. Andy oh, said yeah. he won't. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna umpire uh-huh. that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> so, debating that. So, um, I didn't really talk about it when y'all said. I mean, I've said this to I think both of y'all before, but. Uh, I, I have always contended that the better grunge band has always been Pearl Jam. Like, if you take a look back at that era, I think Pearl Jam was always better than Nirvana. Uh, but Nirvana were the ones who kind of got that mainstream success. Uh, and a song like Alive is is fantastic. Uh, it's not, though, like, putting it up against, like, Smells Like Teen Spirit is just fucking dirty. Like, it's... It's, uh... That's tough. Like, I think... Cause I really like Alive. Because, uh, like... It's, it's... it's Pearl Jam, you talk about, like, other bands trying to emulate it. But nothing else really sounds like that song. And that's, like, a lot of Pearl Jam and also a lot of Nirvana. Where it's, like... You have, like... You know, Half the Man I Used to Be or whatever by, like... Was that... Puddle of Stone Temple. Pu- Stone Pimple Pilots, yeah. Um, she fucking Puddle of Mud. Mu- <laughs> uh, uh, God, he fucking hates me. Um, of stones. Uh, I really like, thought about making a joke that those bands were the minor league teams for these bands, <laughs> the major league rosters. That's uh, pretty yep. good. That's it. Uh, and like, yeah, sure. Like, but but songs like this, songs like "Smells Like Teen Spirit," were those songs that n- you couldn't emulate. So, like, there there were there were like the songs that bands just could not do. Yeah. Um, I think the best way I can put it, like the best analogy I can use, is like. 
I agree. I think Pearl Jam was a better band, like top to bottom. I like Nirvana's really good, but like I just think Pearl Jam was so talented musically. Like their concerts are evidently legendary. Like the stuff they did with the guitar, like it was a lot better. But like Nirvana was just so much more over. And like I don't have a way to quantify that or why or if it was like luck or if there was something about Cobain's personality. But like they just did it on such a grander scale while they did it. Like I, I that's like, I think I, it was I think it was bombast. In the like coming out of the '80s, in an era of of kind of like everything being a little more over the top, yeah. like, and I think Pearl Jam I think was part of it wasn't. I think part of it was intentional. Like I don't think Pearl Jam wanted to be that big. Like I don't think they ever wanted that. Like I really think they wanted to go on tour for 25 years. Absolutely, yeah, uh, that makes sense. But yeah, like, like a lot of Nirvana, like you said, he wrote "Smells Like Teen Spirit," wanted to make it the best, like the biggest pop song and yeah kind of in his voice and he nailed it and pearl jam has always kind of been like i want to make the best pearl jam song uh and and it's what like that the difference is between changes every day i agree uh it's the difference between what like the beatles and like the who like yeah the absolutely. who were very set on making their songs and i know that uh eddie vetter really liked the who i never thought about that but that makes sense mm-hmm. uh so between Alive, I think Alive gets a single off of, off of Smells Like Teen Spirit. Okay. I think it. I think it gets to first. I think it, it it makes contact, but like kind of lucky, you know, just kind of like, uh, like grounds out right to the outfielder, but he but he gets to first base. The ball is still alive. <laughs> God. Well, never mind. Struck out swinging. It's crazy. <laughs> Uh, but no, okay. So we gotta we gotta run on first. Andy, who is your second batter? Ah, uh, I forgot what is. I B is gonna be oh yellow lead better. Yeah. When I listen to this song, all I can think of is 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 Chris Pratt singing on Parks and Rec. You say I'm Yeah, I mean, I had to look up the lyrics, but yeah, once you do is, understand it, yeah, like it's it's pretty fucking deep. Uh, yeah, I didn't know what you were doing. Uh, yeah, it's he's talking about finding a letter on the porch. And he's afraid to open it because, uh, because it's a yellow letter, and his brother is in the military, and the rumors were that if they send you a uh, yellow envelope, uh, that that is the one saying so and so has died. Oh damn! And he's that's I didn't know that's why. Uh, yeah, it's not not about him or his brother brother but it is like a friend of his like and uh yeah this guitar solo is uh, awesome all right let me yeah, let me, let me uh, let's get a taste of that 
so he knows this letter is for, uh, you know, like the announcement of the death of his brother. Uh, so he's just not wanting to open it. Like he sees it. He's just fucking walking around down to the beach. Comes back, still there. And uh, their last name was Ledbetter, so that's why it's Yellow Ledbetter. But uh, huh. the, the uh, <clears throat> one of the lines he says, uh, like, I can't tell if I'm, I can't tell if I'm the boxer or the bag or something like that. Yeah, uh, I, I, I saw in, that line. in live shows. Uh, yeah. The uh, the second time he says it, he said my brother's dead, or my brother's not coming home, or my brother's coming home, but I don't know if it's in a box or in a bag. Oh, okay. Yeah, that so makes sense. That's that's just the live yeah. stuff, but. Uh, because of that, I gave it a five for popularity and cheapness because you don't have to know what he's saying to sing along to that. And uh, the lyrical depth, uh, I would give it a five out of five just because that's a wild story. It doesn't sound exactly like all their stuff, so I gave it four out of five. And the music... Like we said, we pinpointed that uh, guitar solo. I gave it five out of five. So that's 19. I yeah. did my math right. Uh, I believe but, so. Yeah. Dead brother in the uh, military. Yeah. I think this is one of the ones that when, Pete, when, when other bands are trying to emulate Pearl Jam, this is one of the ones they would go for, but obviously they wouldn't get anywhere close. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is this is one of those songs where. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Do you need to go light or something? something. <laughs> it's okay. It's the chair. I'm sitting uh, in the chair. Uh, you shitted uh. and farted. Um, <laughs> yeah, like this is one one of those where like I knew the song, but I couldn't always pick out the name. Like that's kind of some yeah. Pearl Jam songs for me. Where it's like, I haven't gone out of my way like to, to really dig into the band, but I just know when I hear a Burl Jam song, and I really like it uh, pretty consistently. Um, and yeah, like, honestly, I, I would have said, like, all right. Like, so here's the thing. Here's, so, here's yes. <coughs> this song has, um, yeah, on Genius.com, like a lyric site, it has four possible meanings. I'm really glad Andy chose that one, because that's the one that I think it's definitely about. It's got, or two of them are exactly the same. Like, two of them, if you read them, they are exactly the same. Uh, and the other two are damn near exactly the same. I don't... Uh, not these. One, says, one of them... One says it's about a dude from Chicago named Tim Ledbetter. And this theory is strongly supported in Kim Neely's Definity Biography, Five Against One. Uh, somebody said it's derived from an old tongue twister. Yellow better, red better. Saying yeah. it as fast as you can. Um, one also, says it's a tribute to Huddy Ledbetter. The tongue twister is yellow. It's pretty sure it's yellow leather, red ye- red leather, yellow leather. It's what actors do to like warm up. All right. Well, we'll get that one out. But um, number three says it's a tribute to Huddy Ledbetter, who spent his life in prison, which would explain the box of the bag lyric too. And then four is the person at war. And then uh, the fifth one is uh, the 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 neighbors that Jerry Clower uh, grew up next to the yeah. Ledbetters. Uh, <laughs> Marcel, Odell, <laughs> Udell, Udell, WL, Linnell, Claude, Claude Eugene, Eugene and Clovis. And Clovis. Just hanging uh, on that old truck. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Christ, how do I even have that knowledge in my brain? Uh, it's like the the lyrics are, are fascinating, and like or like the meaning of the song is fascinating, but it's just like. I don't know if I can give that full credit when it's being conveyed to me as... I was about to say, is this the most incoherent song we have on the list? Boy, it's pretty... And that's saying... Oh, yeah, what? y'all are talking mad shit what about ta- a song that... It's a really you can, good song. I mean, the lyrics are like, written down. It's just, they are. He is mumbly. Listen. You you can't understand could, a word uh, he's saying. He could... Nope, listen, I those can't. lyrics could be complete bullshit. There's five syllables <laughs> like, in unsealed. <laughs> Oh God! But it's a hello, really good song. Hello, like, hello, hello, hello. How low? All right, this is yeah, weird. Did y'all ever see the movie Pan with uh, I didn't. Uh, uh, Hugh Jackman with with Hugh Jackman? No. So that movie d- decided on an anachronism and abandoned it. In that there are like two points in that movie where there are people that sing like modern songs in it, and like. Then they just abandon, like, because like, I think, okay, that's weird, but I'm not against the idea of like a, a Peter Pan movie where like the pirates are singing like a modern song, and like that's kind of the soundtrack to the movie is more modern. Like, I, okay, all right, let's let's try this out. I think that's a cool idea. But they did. I don't remember one of the songs. I don't remember. And then like when 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 Hook Ship shows up, the entire crew is singing "Smells Like Teen Spirit," and it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And then after that, it is completely dropped and isn't brought up for the rest of the movie. Like, it doesn't come up again. It's a fever dream. Uh, but, like, it's neither here nor there. But, Jesus God, just watch those segments in the movie. That is weird. <coughs> Very. Um, God, I really... Man, this one's tough. I... I think I think this one might strike out against Smells Like Teen Spirit. It's right. a really good song. If it was against like In Bloom, then that's a different conversation. But All right, that's the like, that's the next ending then. Like teen Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So I've heard this song so many yeah. times. Um, it's really because good. it's the outro it's, song on it's, Bill Simmons podcast. Of course it is. He's sponsored by Pearl Jam. God, like they have an agreement. Right. I. Boy, I now need to take back everything I said about Pearl Jam being better. Anyway, uh, <laughs> hey Andy, what's your next song? Even Still here? My bad. 
Man. I was just jamming. Just Me too. Listen, song. listen. <laughs> you ain't the only one, dude. Uh, yep. Tell us about Even Flow. All right. Well, Even Flow. Y'all were pearl um, Get out. Is on Get one out. of the. Uh, nah. One of the Guitar Hero games. It's real good. But uh, uh, Guitar Hero it's, Three. Uh, it was the first. It was my go. Every single time I booted up Guitar Hero Three, I played Even Flow. It's the first song I would always play when I play Guitar Hero Three. I think I, it's the only one I was able I, to. Uh, oh man. Hundred percent. I I I could play this song just about blindfolded. Like oh god, I played this song a lot on Guitar Hero Three. Yeah, it was real good. Uh, and it's. It doesn't have nearly as much story as the rest of it, it as those other songs. It's just about a homeless man, you know, and they, he's obviously got mental uh, health issues because he, you know, fucking is like talking to himself and his thoughts arrive like butterflies and he chases them away. He's just, he's seeing stuff, you know, probably uh, schizophrenic or something similar to that and uh, just crazy homeless dude that uh, lives on the streets uh, but it's catchy it was popular because it was on uh, Star Hero it had like a resurgence after that uh, and the lyrics like he sounds a lot clearer in this uh, so I gave him four which is saying a lot because he's still really difficult to make out uh, <laughs> but, yeah. he st- but he does sound a lot clearer he also uh, says "fuck it up" right, right here. Yes, he does. Like, right before this little guitar solo uh, somewhere. Oh, that's a good song. It was right before that. Yeah, but too late. He's like, "fuck it up." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, I I gave it a four out of five on uniqueness too, just because it's not exactly like all of their other stuff, but uh, like you still know it's Pearl Jam. It's still like, oh yeah, this is that one Pearl Jam song, but uh, as far as the music goes, because of that uh, catchy little riff, the little guitar solos, uh, I gave that five out of five as well, and gave it an even eighteen out of twenty. An even eighteen. Let's see what you did there. Yep. Uh. So y'all remember this song's time- like a guitar song. No, yeah, way more than a lot of the other songs on the list. This is a guitar, guitar, guitar song. Three, man. Yeah. And uh, Alive was in Rock Band 2, I believe. Uh, I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, right. um, remember last time uh, when when I kind of revealed my uh, relationship with Jukebox Hero? Uh, yeah. yeah. That's even flow for me. I fucking adore <laughs> this song. This song, I think, I, I don't, it might be just because I played it a billion times in Guitar Hero, but I, I love every millisecond of this song. I think this song is a masterpiece. Uh, I just think, like, I don't know what it is. It's just, like, it's it's catchy in the right ways. It's it's upbeat. The, the drums are loud. The guitar's great. It's got several incredible solos. Eddie Vedder sounds better than he ever did. Like I love Evenflow. I love this song, uh, but I'm not gonna get too buck wild. Um, against Smells Like Teen Spirit, against Smells Like Teen Spirit, Evenflow was a solid double. Uh, so they're trying on second and third. Second and third. It's mostly because of because it smells like Teen Spirit, though. So that's just about the only song that could put up a fight to Evenflow. 
I also think this song is like the most for its time lyrically because it's really about like challenging narratives about like how we perceive homeless people and yeah. like reimagine like, that from a different perspective. And I, I like, really I appreciate that. He yeah, doesn't like say the, like he's this dirty, ugly yeah. old fucker that's gross. Yeah, he's just exactly. like yeah, like from he the sleeps 80s, on a pillow made of concrete. concrete. Yeah, like from the eighties when we we wild. viewed yeah. and painted homeless people as like. Either like, why don't you get a job? Or, Al? Yeah, it's just like, no, he's freezing and he rests his head on a pillow made of concrete. Yeah. Like, that's just yep. his life. And that's, that's, yep. another, yeah, that song's oh, also so fucking good. I love the it. line thoughts arrive love like it. butterflies. Yeah, like, and yeah. he chases Beautiful. them away. And he chases yep. them away. It's so good. You could, yeah. that could almost be like a, um, an allegory for like drug use where mm-hmm. like, like chases them away. I could see that. Yeah, but, uh, I'm, I'm, that's what uh, I interpreted it as. Yeah. Um, I, I interpret it as like they're bad thoughts, yeah, or I, yeah. like yeah. really yeah, bad like, like, thoughts. Yeah, like, and like maybe like that. I I did too, and like he uses like drugs to escape from them or something yeah. like that. But I and think that's the line of after the interpretation. The line after so he chases uh, them away is yeah. someday yet he'll begin his life again. So yeah, yeah I, I definitely interpret it as a yeah a person God. struggling and really yeah. making yeah. that you know what a good fucking it's a good song. song. God, what a good song. Yep. Ah, love even for. Yeah, like I, I, I knew that one. Like I didn't see y'all's list until a couple days ago, and I was just like, "Oh man, Josh better fucking have smells like Teen Spirit batting against Stephen Flow because anything else is fucking <laughs> not worth it." Nope. Uh, like also, try to leave. Don't stop believing. Off. Yep. It's kind of like. Uh, also, I'm glad that uh, I, I kind of didn't know your lineups ahead of time because, like, man, imagine if Andy had had Even Flow like batting clean up, like coming in fourth. Just mm-hmm. oof. Uh, but Andy, so we got one out runners on second and third. What is your next song, Andy? Well, I got Jeremy okay. batting clean up. Oh, whoa, let me tell you, nobody cleans up quite like Jeremy. Mm. Yep. This song, this song, you, you you know it, man. It's this song. No, saying, uh, it's about uh, two things. He he sort of uh, urged, you know, his own experience and uh, something that he uh, read in a newspaper. So he read an obituary in a newspaper that was just you know a little paragraph. Uh, Jeremy, I don't know the last name, but uh, Jeremy. Uh, such and such age stood up in front of the class and killed himself. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, when it gets to that line, 
like uh, trying to race me off the blackboard today or something like that. Uh, that's because he shot himself in the face. And uh, the other side of the story is... Uh, sorry. And I'm just playing with the volume, I guess. Uh, or it might be automatically no, doing that. It's just automatic. Okay, I didn't touch anything. No, <laughs> I thought you were just fucking with me last time too. But, <laughs> no, uh, I haven't. Like, I, I keep. I've got it. I've got it to where basically, if I turn it down one more pip, it's go. It's off. Yeah. Uh, I got so you. yeah, no, it's 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 not coming through the recording. I'll tell you that much at least. Okay. Yeah. But uh, so. He said it was about Jeremy, this uh, kid he read about in the newspaper, and it's about uh, you know him trying to actually get revenge for all these uh, bullies and shit in school, and talks about uh, like seemed a harmless little fuck. Uh, I used to beat him up too, or something like that, and uh, he said it was also loosely associated to a kid that he did in fact bully in like fifth grade uh but in high school uh the kid came to school and shot up a classroom uh like in his high school but uh he he associates it with uh jeremy's uh suicide and you know it's supposed to be this big fucking show and uh like you do this, you're done, and the world moves on. Like all you get out of it is a tiny paragraph in a newspaper, and uh, uh, like the other people uh, yeah. move on. So the best thing to do is to just you know stick with it and better yourself, make the world better around you, rather than uh, killing yeah. yourself and and. You know, going out like that because you'll wind up just a paragraph. Yeah, like uh, is it like you know, living well is the best revenge, something along yes. those lines. Yes. Yeah, that's man. That's uh. This, this sounds really. Shit. Yeah, it's really difficult, especially yeah in the environment of today. But like yeah, it's one of those things that really started the conversation. But yeah, like you know, it doesn't video. really get into it like, too much. This is before that, yeah, cyberbullying was yeah, a thing. Before Columbine, yeah. like I think, I think the video is is kind of what makes this song. Like the song mm -hmm. is amazing. Like the song kind of dissolves in, into a chaos that a story like this should dissolve into. Uh, yeah. And the, I think the video, like for its time, is really like. I don't think it gets talked enough about how important that video is for like a, a generation right. of like of of compiling and representing the types of things that a lot of people were going through and just like experiencing but didn't you know especially back back in the day when when information was much more limited and we were less of a monoculture it was it was yeah, difficult exactly. to find uh, to know if someone else was was having the same experiences as you, uh, it was easier to feel alone and isolated. And like while the video was was not easy to watch, and and while the video was intense, like I I, I hope that there were people that that found it cathartic and that like oh shit, 
Okay. And I feel like it was the... I feel like it was the right level of portraying something like that because it doesn't feel... It's not 13 Reasons Why. Yeah. Like, it doesn't feel gratuitous. It doesn't feel like it's glorifying it. It's not, it doesn't focus on, like, the act, but it does... What it really lingers on is, like, the aftermath and his classmates. Like, it cares more about that, like... It's, well, it's yeah, it's from yeah. the perspective of one yeah. of these kids that exactly. bullied this yeah. kid, and uh, he stands up yeah. in the middle of class and blows his brains out. Yep, like that uh, is buck wild, yeah. and that would scar probably yeah. anyone that yeah. saw it, especially but, if you're ten. Yeah, uh, but yeah, like that's I think, I think that's uh. And the the weird thing is, it's like after Columbine, the video like got a lot less rotation. When I feel like that's kind of the I don't know if it's the wrong decision, but I don't think that video inspires. I don't maybe no, like it doesn't, did I'm, not. Oh no 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 no! no. I don't mean yeah. no, no, no yeah. I don't I don't mean did that video inspire Columbine? I mean I don't think that video would inspire someone to like take their own life by seeing it. No. But you never quite know. Like I, I feel like taking it off out of rotation shortly after Columbine isn't a bad idea in that just to make sure it doesn't fucking traumatize people who have had to deal with that type of thing. Uh, oh, were you gonna say, I had Josh? an interesting note on what you just said. Yeah. Um, the band was really mad. The band was really mad that MTV edited the gun out the gun going into his mouth. Yeah, that was because the they it made. created a great confusion, which made it yeah. appear like, like yeah. Yeah, and I, they always, they really the didn't like that because time, it made him look like he was shooting the class. For the longest time, I thought that's what the song was about. I thought the song was about Jeremy shooting up the school right. for like a long time. Yeah, because like that's like if you just see the video without that shot, it is totally up to interpretation. Uh, another yeah, I mean, another note again, I wanted to was, make. Oh, go ahead, Jess. Sorry. Um, yeah. In 2018, Jeremy's mom, the Jeremy from the newspaper article, which. This is nothing against Eddie Vedder for writing the song. Eddie Vedder obviously didn't know Jeremy. He just based it off a newspaper clip. But she yeah. pointed out that like he wasn't this non-social, silent kid. Like The day yeah. he died, didn't define his life. No, which yeah. is really important for the conversation in 2018. But that's what yeah. Grunge did, is it started these conversations. Yeah, because that's the other yeah. thing. It is was that, that like, catharsis. Like, it's, it, it does reinforce the, the narrative of the, the loner, like the, the, the ostracized loner. Uh, yeah. being the one to do these things when overwhelmingly that's not true like the people like the guys who shot up columbine were not these bullied loners they actually had really big friend groups and were fairly popular with like among right. their peers uh like this certainly didn't help that it's not a knock against the song because at that time we didn't know uh mm -hmm. we didn't have the information on these types of things that we do now uh but i'm glad that that his mom like that that the kid's mom was like hey you know like i want to you know, she doesn't, I understand not wanting your kid's legacy to be that necessarily. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a, it's a tough song to wrestle with, but like, I think that's what makes that's, it so good. Yeah. yeah that's the, the point of a lot of these songs. The whole point. The point. Yeah. Yeah. The, like he didn't get the, the story from, or I mean, right. he got the basis of the kid killing himself off of jeremy like that's all it was because yeah no, it, wasn't it, it was off of this kid's life or anything obviously yeah, it was yeah. very much fabricated yes. for the 100%. most part because yeah like he said it's a tiny article in a in a newspaper uh yeah it was a single paragraph yeah and uh the the rest of it is loosely based on you know the kid that shot up his school 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like uh, that. Yeah. You know, he said that he was like, more. He said in an interview that like yeah, yeah, in like fifth grade we used to be bullies essentially, you know, just playing around. But uh, and some someday when I was in another classroom, thankfully, uh, I heard shots and stuff, and he had shot up the oceanography classroom. But uh, <clears throat> that was just the kid yeah. that he bullied. So it, you know, it's. Just yeah. this, him putting a a face and a background to yeah. this one paragraph, and that's really what um yeah. that's really what Pearl Jam was trying to get at. Like, what I really like about Pearl Jam is like you never like there there's nuance to the songs, but it's not on purpose. Like he's really just telling like what he's experienced and what he's thought about these things, like how he like felt about things, and like you, it really just bleeds through in the songs, and that's why it's hard to break like his songs down because like. And like they're so authentic from where he's coming from, and he's such yeah. an empathic person to begin with that it just it bleeds across genuinely. Yeah, it's like listening to, like talking about even flow, where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, is it about like talking about like is that line about drug use or just about mental illness? Like, I don't know. What do you think it is? Then that's yeah. the correct answer. Like, you yeah. know, how does it make you feel? That's right. And I that's something I will always like. Um, mm-hmm. I as I've gotten older, have kind of leaned more into the, like, art doesn't have to justify itself, art doesn't have to explain itself to anyone, uh, art is personal, art is of the artist, but art is also of the consumer. And I like Pearl Jam being the type of band where it's it's kind of very laid out in front of you in that, like, oh, what does this song mean? How does it make you feel? Well, it's this. Well, then that's what it means. Like, there's no pretense, there's no... Uh, arrogance. There's no like, oh, you don't understand. No, like that's just that's what it means. Uh, which I appreciate. Uh, God, Jeremy. Huh. I think Jeremy against smells like Teen Spirit gets those bad boys home. Uh, he gets his bad boy to first. He loads them bad bases up. I don't think he gets them home. Uh, God, though, is there any? Is there any? Like, man, that bass riff at the beginning of that song is real good. Yeah. Isn't it like a 12-string bass or something? It's something like that, yeah. That's, um, yeah, it's a ridiculous bass. It's kind of like the bass they use in I Should Have Known by Foo Fighters. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that Chris Novoselic was on. I think he was using a different style bass. Uh, that's like a really chunkier bass. Uh, all right, so. Bass, bass is loaded. Is loaded. One, out. one out. Who's next? Black. Yeah. 
Oh, y'all sleep? Uh, this song oh, is very... So, when this song started, it's like the the opening riff is just... was just, like, I don't know if it was the same for y'all, but it was just in the, the left side channel of my headphones. It wasn't. Uh, I didn't however, notice. It's, it's, well, it's probably because it's like it's playing natively for me, whereas for you, yeah. it's playing through me. Um, and so like, I've got like surrounds... I've got a good headset. And so it's just in there, and I'm like, oh, is this intentional, or is this like... I was like, no, it sounds too clean. Like, there's nothing in my right ear. And I was like, oh, this must be a, a wonky uh, a, a wonky version I got. And then he starts to make sounds, and then it goes in both ears, and I almost fell out of my chair. I was, like, <laughs> paying really close attention. I was like, oh, I guess it's... Yeah, ah! Ah! yeah I... Uh, but uh, tell us about Black, Andy. All right, so Black is about him uh, getting uh, dumped, essentially. Uh, not necessarily Eddie Vedder, but uh, you know the narrator of this song. Uh, so he gets dumped, and he feels like shit, and uh, so jealous of everybody being happy but him. Like he's just livid when he sees kids out playing and laughing and stuff. Like he's super upset about it. Like that's a mood. His like he's he's so upset about their relationship because, uh, like I said, all I am, all I ever will be, essentially, will be or has been tattooed with black. Like it's just somebody has just fucked up his whole life because they left, and he still wants this part right here. it with somebody else but why can't it be with me uh you know something like that and he's just he's just real upset real heartbroken uh gave it a 17 out of 20 you know five on popularity five on lyrics uh just because it sounds really good and it's got this really catchy part right here the do 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 uh then see where's my other part uh the uniqueness uh, it sounds a lot like most other Pearl Jam songs. It's uh, I really like three that. out of five. I really like me. the end, though. The the yeah, do, 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 I, I like, do too. Like that's it's super catchy. It's and really it's, cool. Yeah, I, I love it. Uh, and he's still, you know, he's still fucking belting it out there. And music, I gave it a four out of five because it's really good but it's not super complex like it doesn't have you know one of those awesome solos in it uh that is an actual solo you know most of it is uh either accompanied by the singing or uh just uh repetitive super repetitive of the same stuff but it's still a really good song i gave it 17 out of 20 it is a solid song uh, like that, the, the outro is kind of what I remember most from it. Like when I first listened yeah. to it, I'm like, oh, which one's this one? And, but then, like, when you kind of hit that riff, like, oh, yeah, it's this yep. song. Uh, I didn't know that about the, the lyrics of it. Uh, I think that's interesting. I think it's one of those things where, like, it's, it's that catharsis again, where it's like, it's, it's not something that you should carry with you. 
like that feeling, but it's mm-hmm. it's but it's something good to kind of belt out when you're feeling kind of at your lowest. Uh, also, uh, just the way he wrote it, yeah, like, the lyrics are so like, like it it could definitely be interpreted as like a yeah, like an like ex a, who hasn't moved yeah. on, like a bitter ex. But yeah, like just to be able to say, the, I know you'll be a star in someone else's sky, but why? Like, yeah, that should sound it, worse than it does, but it, it comes across so. I think clean it's and because beautiful. the way he sings it is so like viscerally like broken. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't come off as you, like like I own you. It comes off as like I am a shell of the person that I like. Yeah, that's he really that's exactly what I was trying out. to get across. Like, yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. The, uh, the I'm with like, you. He said everything I am and will be has all been stained, tattooed black. Like, yeah, because like, you're not with me anymore. Yeah, I can't be what I was supposed to be. Like, I can't be. Uh, I can't reach my full potential because you yeah. have left me. Uh, I have a question. Would you go so far as to say that he is uh, half the man he used to be? Uh, Here we go. His <laughs> head's like a hole. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's <laughs> like I, I think she fucking he, hates like, me. <laughs> Am I doing it right? <laughs> yep. God. Uh, I don't know. She y'all. shot him. I don't know. Y'all. I've got... <laughs> Listen, I just like. I, I'm I'm usually good, but all this bullshit is just it's just getting my head all fuzzy, and now I'm just looking around, and everything's so blurry. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I feel like it, it it's an it, it's an int- like it's a it's a song concept that we have heard a million times. Yeah, but I don't think that's a bad thing because it's something that mm-hmm. everyone can relate to. Everyone has felt like that at one time, and I feel like I, I have an appreciation for songs like that. Uh, that kind of help you verbalize that. And it's kind of like what I mentioned with Jeremy, where it's this idea that like all anybody ever really wants is to know that there's someone else out there who feels the same way as them when they're at their lowest. Like you want to know that you're not the the first person to do this and and you can kind of, you know, shared pain is a lesson. You want to commiserate with others. And I think songs like this are very good about that. I know I'm sure we've all used them. Uh, to add to that, this is like mm-hmm. you have to be so careful doing that. Like you have to be so careful not to like make that a hate, like oh, not yeah. to spread hate in that message. Yes. And better does yes. that incredibly it's, in the song. So, just off of like listening to the two of them, like I I wouldn't think that this one really goes anywhere. But uh, the the argument has been made by both of y'all. Mm-hmm. How well this song got pulled off and how well this song achieved its goal, uh, which I feel like is something that is is kind of the Pearl Jam thesis statement in that, like, a lot of the songs have, have solid goals that they want to explore uh, or solid things they want to explore and goals they want to achieve. And, and this one kind of nails it. So another um, mm-hmm. another note for Good Guy Better yeah. is um, he fought tooth and nail for this song not to be released as a single. He really didn't want yeah. this song out there. It was on okay. the radio already. Yeah, and yeah, he, he would call in hard. radio stations and interesting. They mm-hmm. did they fucking release yeah. my song? Did they do that? Did they yeah. put it out as a single? Because really like, yeah. I can see that because it's like it's a really good song. Like, but this isn't and it the. Was, anti- this isn't the what you what you want to lead with. This isn't the mask you want to wear. This isn't like and it the was energy. right after Jeremy, so it yeah. was it was very likely to lead them down the wrong yeah. path of misinterpretation. Yeah, yep. they don't but, want to be yeah. seen as the dark weird band. Uh, and Eddie, I mean, this is the, like that's yeah. part of what I was saying earlier. Like Pearl Jam did not yep. 
want to be as big as Nirvana. Like they mm-hmm. never wanted to deal with it. And obviously, uh, you know, Cobain couldn't deal with it either. And right, that's the yeah. tragic demise. Yep. Uh, and because of that, because of the good argument made, um, uh, Yellow or Yellow Jesus, a Black uh, gets a solid single, uh, gets on the first, so it sends one runner home. Uh, I really going into this, I thought this was going to be a strikeout, but you swayed me very well. Uh, You're welcome. <laughs> so uh, if you look at. Uh, mm-hmm. Look at genius on the uh, like the only comment I saw yeah. on the same thing uh, was uh, like this helped me uh, when I was divorcing my husband. This kept me from ending my life. Something you know. Damn, that's some cool. serious shit. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what it set out to do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, so that's uh, one zero. Base is still loaded. Just one out. Uh, Josh is scraping his table. Uh, yeah, that's the remix. Huh? <laughs> what do we got next, Andy? Uh, daughter. If you couldn't pick it up when you actually listen to it, uh, you know, it's hard for some people. It's just, it's a kind of upbeat song, sounding at least, but it is about a speech child getting abused uh, when they fuck up during their lessons. It's really messed up. Uh, like, the, the mom, you know, is reading to her and she's trying to understand, she's trying to make her mom proud. But then you hear the shades closed so the neighbors can't see because they're beating her. They're beating this child and uh, just because she doesn't understand things and you know she's either having trouble understanding it, she's you know wanting to play like a child normally wants to play. Uh, I gave it a uh, four out of the four out of five on the popularity or catchiness and uh five out of five on the lyrical depth just because you know that's wild it's another you know wild story that he's telling uh and so i'm gonna admit my ignorance real quick um i really just thought this song was about a like a dad that wasn't present and the daughter like being like don't call me daughter you're not fit to the picture will remind me like I guess I just never listened past breakfast table and otherwise empty room. I thought it was just a girl eating alone when she was supposed to be with her, you know, mother or father and them not being there. It's always been a song that's been hard for me to listen to. 
having kids of divorce and yeah, but you know, those feelings of yeah. guilt. But like, yeah, I didn't know it was about that at all. I had huh. no idea. It was just one of those songs. that's always kind of it's probably been hard for me damn. to swallow on that. Yeah, it's probably up thing. to interpretation. But that is the I, I mean, you're right now. The one I, I draw like, I don't from. Uh, but yeah, I mean that that is also a good interpretation of it. And like we have already been saying, uh, uh, you know, art is what you fucking make of it. But yeah, uh, it's yeah. I uh, gave it a uh, three out of five on uniqueness because you know it sounds like all the other Pearl Jam songs, but it's you know still pretty good. Uh, and five out of five on the music because the music is really good in that. Yeah, uh, daughter is really good uh i didn't know about that aspect of it um i'm um, gonna make my first counter argument okay. I, know, I, I haven't been really protesting any songs because i don't have much negative say but this is one of their more like forgettable songs to me like true like i could forget this song existed easily and it's like it's just more poppy like it's more like a pop song like it it just feels like i guess a little more derivative than their other songs yeah and it's it's very um uh just uh, you know it's acoustic and poppy and all that and i am inclined yeah. to agree which is why i think it strikes out swinging uh it's a good song but like against something like spells like teen spirit like it doesn't even you know this is this is double a versus the major leagues at this point uh like now that i look it's really interesting andy because you uh very front-loaded your lineup which i think is 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 intriguing uh, well, I knew he was gonna do "Smells Like Teen yeah. Spirit," so yeah, you got. I had something. to get on base. Yep, pretty much. Yeah, and I uh, assumed that yeah. "Love" or "Yellow Leadbetter" would have gotten yeah. on base. Yeah, but uh, uh, no, fuck me, right? Uh, hey, alive and yo, did "Yellow Leadbetter" not get on base? Alive did. Nah, I think like, "Yellow Leadbetter" got out. Yeah, it was the only other out. One, one of them got out. Yeah, "Yellow Leadbetter" got out. Like a single. Uh, yeah. That was trash, you know. Listen, you know. But, uh, hey, remember when I was like, hey, I'm going to set an alarm for an hour 45. We're going to see how we're doing. About to go on. That was an hour and 20 minutes ago, just about. Yeah. Uh, that you set it off or that you no, set the alarm? Uh, that, uh, I, set, I set a timer for an hour 45. Yeah. Uh, and we're at 20 minutes left. Uh, so we're going to do one inning. Uh, because, good. dear God. I think, I think one inning might be uh, the process we go with I, in the future agree and then if there are any songs we don't get around to in that we will save them for the end and and just kind of speak our piece on Heard them that. because they're still worth uh getting to uh so what do you got next andy uh elderly woman behind the counter in a small town all right Y'all shit on the acoustic. Yeah. I guess I my uh, picture is just in the bullpen. Listen. Just getting ready. I, I didn't dislike <laughs> the acoustic aspect. Light your name. Lifetimes are catching on with me. All these changes take. Wish I'd seen the place, but no one's ever taken me. Hearts and thoughts they fade, fade away. Hearts and thoughts they fade, 
Hope you, hope you weren't uh, waiting for the title to be spoken. Oh, uh, I wasn't. Because <laughs> it does, not, it does it, not get spoken. It don't. Uh, but this is about, as the title is, uh, a early woman sitting behind the counter in a small town. Uh, she sees one of her old flames walk through. And she's like, oh, shit. I didn't even recognize you. And she's super embarrassed because she has stayed in this town her entire fucking life. And, you know, she's, yeah, just then. He said, a small town uh, predicts my fate. Uh, But... Yeah, I just want to scream hello. Oh, yeah, sorry. but uh, sorry. No, I was letting letting that song belt no, out real quick. Uh, but <clears throat> so what it was, he sees her old flame. She can't even speak to him because she's so embarrassed. Uh, you know, he comes back through town with his uh, you know mid-sized sedan, a uh, couple years old. Uh, he has moved away and gotten a job and grown up and is still way better looking than anybody else in town and she's still here still working at the store uh that her dad used to own is now the owner it's just that embarrassment that small town uh just uh like it said predicting your fate like you're either going to get out and you try to get out or you are just cool with being there. You you just are in this town. You're going to be there forever and you accept that. It's similar to one of Josh's yeah. songs that he picked, uh, mm-hmm. Dumb, but uh, it's more about staying in the town and you know not progressing in your life. Uh, that's my thoughts on it uh five of four three so 17 total and you know like i said it's just the title essentially she sees her old old boyfriend and is like damn so cute and i ain't shit you could say this song is small town girl living in a lonely world doesn't take the midnight train yep she did not she never took (laughs) (laughs) just a throwback to one of our old episodes yep she never never took that midnight train I I have half a mind to give this thing a home run just to spite you. <laughs> do it. Just but yeah, do just, it, please. Just uh, petty ref. <laughs> petty. Um, I just didn't hear that. Like I don't know. I mean, that, now that I read the lyrics, that's what it sounds like. I just always thought it was about like an an elderly woman who's like you know not Sitting having her thoughts anymore. Yeah, she's like just <laughs> struggling to be who she used to be and feeling aging. I don't know. I, I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's another interpretation song. Yeah, but, I, I think but the hearts and thoughts they fade away. Yeah. Like that, that part just feels like losing, yeah. and like the um, memories, like fingerprints are slowly raising. Like mm-hmm. it's just one of those things where it's like the time, you know, taken away from you. It's just, that's just always what I felt. When but I it's also song, but that right. you know you can interpret it that way, or you can interpret it as like these hearts and thoughts uh, of our relationship faded away, yeah. uh, and you said memories raised slowly, like fingerprints mm-hmm. something like that uh like when he first walks in she doesn't recognize him because they're both old mm-hmm. and then once she does she's like oh shit 
memories start raising slowly like fingerprints. But yeah, what were you going to say about this, Adam? Do I need to just go uh, ahead and uh, no, take the mound? I think, I think uh, so if daughter is kind of the like forgettable version of, of this, I think this is the one where they kind of get it right. Uh, I actually like this song a lot. Um, Same. I think it's uh, just kind of that more uh, uh, stripped down acoustic style done really well. Um, and I don't know. It might just be because of like we're kind of hitting that age of uh, like it's not elderly, but like looking around kind of where you're from. Like if you're, mm-hmm. like if, if you're in like I understand that feeling of of like being in your hometown and kind of looking around or, or running into someone that you hadn't seen in quite a while oh we see it on facebook and, like if you yeah, like yeah. are friends with them on facebook like you're gonna see uh everybody else doing shit and if you're still at home doing the same shit you were doing uh yeah. when you friended them yeah. like probably gonna make you feel yeah. a little embarrassed like, and like if you did like have any interaction with them yeah. you're gonna be like damn i don't really want to talk to you now because yeah i'm still doing the same shit yeah and it's one of those things where it's like i feel like just kind of as as a whole as a society we could do better with that because like mm-hmm. i don't know that's just kind of the fucking the, that's just the cards that some people are dealt yeah and and all that but like again it goes back to this is where the conversation yeah. starts but like yeah. we can progress that conversation like yeah. we can have it's, that conversation uh, because things like yeah. this exist it's uh i think it's it's kind of like the last song it's a feeling that um a lot of people can 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 relate to uh i think all of us have been there you know back in your hometown you run like a high school teacher or something like that at walmart and it's just kind of like hey what have you been up to and like stuff what you doing uh uh, and as such as kind of it being a really good song and uh that or like a good sounding song and kind of that sentiment i think it's it's a i think it's a single off of uh smells like teen spirit i think it sends another runner home uh so so you it's two to two to nothing you're still alive andy you still got another batter coming up uh uh who's your who's your next batter andy uh let me look at it real quick okay you'd already cool you already gave up you just say i ain't no, gonna get them. No, sorry uh it's once got a slow build up too so it really does you. if you want to let me just uh once you start giving us a little bit of a short preamble here while it gets going right, sounds like you seen in the uh, air tonight yeah it's it's sort of like that that build up but uh seen american psycho and i know you guys have uh because we like almost I saw broke it. the tv i saw it i saw the main menu of the dvd burn into yeah, Will's tv yep yeah, yeah, that's what it was chainsaw uh <laughs> but yeah this is, is essentially that uh mm-hmm. i believe you can interpret it as the same this is again this the second part of that uh yeah. three song trilogy, yeah, trilogy. mini opera uh, you know, uh, it's yeah. called Mama San or something similar to that. Uh, Ma- uh, all right, here we go. But yeah. I 
about uh, I don't think it's supposed to be the same guy as from Alive but grown but that could help to you know give him a little you know defensive standing as to why he is doing this sort of stuff but he is uh, losing his mind pretty much and he is a serial killer he has uh, he has somebody in the back seat uh, probably a hooker and he is uh, either going to kill them or himself or both not quite sure yet and uh, it's not the first time that he has killed someone you know he's saying once I could control myself but now he's just having the urge to fucking go out and kill somebody and he's probably going to kill this hooker damn Yep. Uh, uh, Sometimes it'd be like that, I guess. So, what I like plum, about this song, I like how it stuff. sounds. I like how it sounds from when he says "Backstreet Lover" till he says yeah. "Once." That's really good. But yeah. I don't like serial killers. Hey man, you don't like cereal? What about them, uh, Captain Crunch, man? Get I love here. cereal. I just don't uh, want to kill. Yeah, true. Listen, Captain uh, Crunch tries to kill you every time it rips. Yeah, up the, it hurts it, your mouth. It, it does. It, I mean, it just tries to kill me in general. It's like all sugar. Mostly, uh, on the plum, I gave it frosted uh, the flakes. Three, five, four, five, so seventeen total. So three for popularity because it was one that I had not heard. Uh, uh, five for the lyrics, just because the the wild story right here and its connection to alive, and uh, four for the uniqueness because it doesn't really sound exactly like. Uh, the other Pearl Jam songs, but it does have like a riff. I believe it's from Even Flow, uh, somewhere in here. But uh, the uh, uniqueness, just that weird fast-paced stuff. You know, I got a shotgun under my nose, something like that. Uh, it's yeah. got an energy you don't have. Yeah. It's, it's got a... like it's it's manic in a way. Like a lot of yeah. Pearl Jam songs are very like exact and determined, and this is just wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, this is like, again, it's pointing to the insanity that this guy is experiencing, and the uh, other songs are more like depression or just fucking dumbstruck, awestruck, dumbfounded, one of those terms. But uh, like Jeremy and Black, all that you know, it's like that frustration and grief and uh, just. You know, being surprised this is like i'm the one doing this why am i doing this this is wild i used to could control myself but i can't anymore uh yeah it's chaos like it's just yeah. it's like the onset of chaos and it comes through in the music like they do a good job of yeah. translating that so yeah, it's it's so good i like it a lot. for a long time i really thought the trilogy of the mini opera trilogy yeah. was alive once and jeremy because this song bleeds like into jeremy like i don't know I always I could that. see that almost to like find out that the, I was wrong was the base of of once kind of sounds like like evocative of the bass line in Jeremy almost a little bit yeah yeah and just and like Jeremy the... kind of dissolves into chaos in a similar way mm-hmm. yeah uh yeah it's man it's a good song in around oh, just inching tough. around 
the bases here. That's tough. <laughs> uh, uh, walk. <laughs> mm. I like how different it is. I think, again, it's a single. I think it's a single. I like how it's different. Uh, so I think you get one more. And you only have one song left, don't you? Yeah. I've almost batted around. That's what I'm saying. I'm fucking inching around. <laughs> Let's see if you've got a better man to come up to bat to uh, maybe get an extra base hit. That's who it is. He's not hitting shit, probably. So that's the song. Waiting, watching the clock. It's four o'clock. It's got to stop. Tell him, take no more. She practices her speech. As he opens the door, she rolls over, pretends to sleep as he looks her over. She lies and says she's another time. Can't find a better man. She dreams in colors, she dreams in men. Can't find a better Okay, uh, so if you didn't get the story there, uh, yeah, she is think... waiting on her husband who is cheating yeah. on her to come home, and he finally does at four o'clock. And after she's been waiting and practicing this speech that she's going to give him, where she, you know, lets him have it, she fucking rolls over and pretends to be asleep. Uh, so the rest of the song, they're, uh, <clears throat> They're uh, trying to. Sorry, I'm just trying to think of words here. Uh, the rest of the song, he's, you know, actually debating on whether or not she should do this, even though she absolutely wants to. Uh, uh, she's afraid that she actually find a better man, and it's pretty messed up in that. Uh, yeah, it's it's. It's an interesting look into the mind of a like abused or yeah. That's the thing. I was about to say like this song isn't necessarily about a victim of abuse, like an abuse survivor. But I think it's a really interesting look into the mind of someone who is an abuse survivor. Yeah, Uh, I only gave it fourteen out of twenty on there. You know, it's just it's not quite there on most of them, but. you know, I heard a story of uh, one of my co-workers said that uh, somebody uh, proposed to his wife at a concert he was at uh, to this song, which is dumb because they obviously didn't know the words. Uh, but, you know, not uh, super yeah. popular. Three out of five. Yeah. Uh, the lyrical mm-hmm. depth, I gave it five out of five. The uniqueness, three. You know, it still sounds a lot like a lot of Pearl Jam songs. 
Uh, music is four because it's not super complex, but it's not super easy stuff either. And it's it's got a good sound to it, you know that uh, that weird slow build up, like it has done in the few songs yeah, that I like have. Yeah, it, it starts. Yeah, it starts off really good. really like subdued, and then kind of gets. Uh... A little more upbeat and all that. Um, in 2010-2011, uh, I was dating someone, and uh, on Facebook, I, I think this song was just stuck in her head. Uh, she posted, like, I don't know if it was the chorus from this song or, or what have you, just as a status on Facebook, uh, and I texted her. It was like, hey, uh, there's something we need to talk about? <laughs> she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, your Facebook status. She was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, do you know what this song is about? Like, what are you saying? And I like, explained what the song was about. And I was like, so that's uh, not a great look for me. Uh <laughs> Now, don't get me wrong. If that's how you actually feel, then there's a conversation we need to have. Uh, but if it's not, boy, I hope no one who reads that and knows me is a Pearl Jam fan. <laughs> uh, which was then like, oh, come on. It's just a good song that I was listening to. So you're going to leave it up, huh? Yep. Oh, man. Okay. Better Man Strikes Out Swinging. <laughs> Like, Better Man actually is, like, I do think a really good song, and I, I think it's, uh... Yeah, it's just uh, up against... Yeah, uh, it's up against, yeah, a, a titan. The the best shitty song there is. <laughs> God damn it. Here we go. Uh, alright. So, uh, into the top of the first, it is three to nothing. Uh, Andy went on his whole rotation and just inched his way around. Uh, did leave three on base, though. Uh, but you know, it is it is what it is. Uh, y'all aren't cultured. That's the only reason. I and, had three uh, on base. And dear God, we're gonna. Um, All right, Josh. In, in true Nirvana yeah. fashion, we uh, we performed best while loaded. Oh. Can can he just fucking go home now? Oh God, I wish. But it's even uh, flow pitching. You know we, have, we have been going quite a while. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's um, try to make our way around this one a little little more quickly. Uh, we'll see. Uh, who you got up first, Josh? Uh, it smells like Teen Spirit up first. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's it. Boy, that's tough. Uh, what with... He can take his base. Me. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Like... He's getting intentionally walked. He's taking his base. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, I think I would have just, like, I gave Evenflow, what, a double against Smells Like Teen Spirit? Yeah, I think I'd give Smells Like Teen Spirit a single against Evenflow anyway. Okay, uh, then he won't take his base then. So, yeah, like, I think either way it's it's about the same. Okay. Uh, I, I, like, uh, it, even, like, Smells Like Teen Spirit pitching, I can't act like Evenflow was going to get a home run. But if it's flipped, I'm not going to act like Smells Like Teen Spirit is that much better. Like, it's not going to strike out, but I don't think it's going to get a second, you know, if that makes a double, if that makes any sense. Uh, so we got to run on first. Josh, your second song. My second song is All Apologies. What else could it be? 
I think it's wild that this so, long ago he wrote a song about Emma Stone. <laughs> Go on. Alright, so um little game theory about my lineup. Last time I went with a traditional lineup where you know you try to manufacture rhymes, you tried to plan for the long game, and I realized that that didn't work best. So I went with the analytical approach this time, which is to front load your lineup because you get more opportunities with the front of your lineup. Too. So more opportunities with more efficient batters equals more productivity. Um, but also I wanted to do something with this lineup where I, it sounded like a set list because I noticed last time and a little bit with Andy songs, like if you play two songs that sound very similar back to back, there's a diminishing return on the second song. So I tried to I vary it to where, you know, we go from one thing to another and it kind of feels like a set list to keep because we're trying to keep momentum going, keep energy going. Yeah, and um, it's kind of hard to do that with Pearl Jam songs because they all sound so <laughs> But go ahead, sorry. But yeah, so I tried to pick songs. And, I mean, everything I did with my lineup was trying to get that idea, so it was you know fun to listen to. But um, about all apologies. Also, one more thing about Smells Like Teen Spirit. You giving it a single? All, smell, this is going to sound weird, but I think Smells Like Teen Spirit is a better pitcher than hitter. I think it's easier I to... Agree. I think, argue. So. I think it's harder to argue for Smells Like Teen Spirit. It's really hard to argue against Smells Like Teen Spirit, if that makes sense. Like, I would rather yeah, be in the defensive position with that song. Yeah. Like, that's like that's why I picked it as my pitcher, and, like, I don't know if it's even their strongest hitter, but I think it, you know, it's a single. But, yeah. Anyway, all apologies. That's This is my favorite Nirvana song, and it always has been. I don't know why. I don't know what it is about this song, but there's something about, like, that level of acceptance and, like, that the way that, like, I don't know. What else can I say? Everyone is gay. Like those lyrics just like they speak to you. Like they're really about like this level of acceptance and content with your life. Um, it's really, really folksy. And it gets me thinking like if Cobain hadn't died, was he going to turn into a Bob Dylan? Because like most of his songs are, hey, I have an idea for a song and I have this riff I came up with. I'm just going to go off the noggin stream of consciousness a song. And that's very Bob Dylan. And like I could yeah. have seen Cobain just living in these folk circles, like going around, oh, putting yeah. out an album every year. I'd not free just cranking out Yeah, just cranking out yeah. fucking a billion songs. Yeah. But um, the song had a more dynamic sound. It had a lighter, more dynamic sound, according to Cobain, that he wished he had been more prominent in his previous albums. Um, Grohl said of the song, I remember hearing it and thinking, God, this guy has such a beautiful sense of melody. I can't believe he's screaming all the time. Um, but yeah, it's just about that comfort and about that acceptance. And I think like this is the song that stuck with me when I outgrew Nirvana. Like this was the song that was like, yeah, all those things like that, all the hypocrisy and all the angst and all the things that I'm trying to figure out about myself. Like this song really wraps it up. And for another note, this is the last song on any other albums. This is the last song that they put out. This is the last song on In Utero. Oh, wow. Um, so like it is their closing note. Like it is how they went out. All in all is all we are. And like. I don't know, like, I hate that, like, Nirvana was gone so soon, but it wrapped up so, like, concisely. Like, they, they really just have these three chapters, and it just writes a beautiful book. Obviously, you wish you had more Nirvana, but, you know, the fact that they were gone so soon really helped grow their legacy. And I think this was a good way to end it. And if it had ended any other way, I don't think that Nirvana yeah. would be a special. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's interesting that it's, it's uh, like, your favorite Nirvana. Because it's, 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 it's the style of Nirvana that I'm not always super into. Um, I just, I prefer their kind of like punchier stuff. Uh, I think that's for that's whatever a reason. In you though, like this yeah. song, like uh, more bright eyes, Jason Isbell, like this is oh, more in that yeah. line. Oh yeah. But I, I, I think it's still very good. And yeah, like I didn't know it was like the last song on their last album. Um, 
to really like uh uh compare it to something that is in no way shape form or fashion anywhere near as good or profound it's like that fallout boy song oh yeah was, yeah at the end of that album that but they did that it was wasn't really they ended up coming back uh but like, like way worse um they are so bad now yeah uh yeah, like I think in a vacuum, if it's just me choosing between the two songs, I don't think it goes that far. But I think, um, I think it was an interesting argument, and I, I do think it is a very, very good song. Uh, uh, I yes. can give a little insight mm-hmm. on it as well. So, uh, from what I gleaned from just looking shit up on Genius and other stuff, first off, I gave it fours across the board four out of five you know it's it's very different uh, it is uh it's pretty catchy and it is uh it's not bad singing it's uh it's different enough and the the meaning of the lyrics have a you know it's a little more uh excuse me it's a little easier to grasp like what he's trying to do uh and the music is solid and they also they have uh like it's featuring a cello i can't really make mm-hmm. it out in there it's a cello by some uh kira shaley uh i don't know she, who that I is believe but it. she was i believe she's the same deal. girl that tours with foo fighters still oh, uh, adam okay. you've seen foo fighters they had a celloist when i saw him uh yeah i Catalyst. think so yeah yeah uh yeah he's from what i saw and what a lot of people's interpretations were he's apologizing to uh courtney love and uh his daughter okay uh, francis bean for just doing shit that he does so i want to get into that real quick um yeah that quote is from a book called heavier than heaven by charles cross and there's a lot like a lot of the stuff that you see about like cobain songs on the internet are from this book directly it came out in 2002. Charles Cross was the editor of a zine newspaper in um, in Seattle called The Rocket. And I have nothing against Charles Cross. Like, I'm not trying to denounce how yeah. like, talented he is. But almost all the information we have about Kurt Cobain and about what his songs are about come from this book. He was given full access by Courtney Love to the books right before the 10th anniversary of Nirvana when Nirvana was going to have the re-release soundtracks that Courtney Love did not want re-released, but she didn't have control because Girl had them. I honest to, and also right before this, um, Charles Cross was the editor of the Rocket, and it went under completely, and like people's paychecks were bouncing. I honestly believe like there's so much skewed like opinions coming out of like that book. Like there's a lot about like there's a, a lyric in Smells Like Teen Spirit where everybody's like, well, Kirk Cobain said it's not about what everybody said it was about. That's a quote from somebody that was really high, and it was four years later, and not about like it was him trying to interpret himself but like i read about four chapters of heavier than heaven and there's like a a tone to it like it is very biased and skewed like Uh. he tried to dismiss a lot of the um like he even said um smells like teen spirit wasn't supposed to be deep it's about graffitiing and going around with friends like that's not the point like that's i had it pulled up but i'm trying to find it now but like direct quotes by him it's like he purposely wrote this book to make it sound like kurt cobain was a person out of control and that he really loved Courtney Love up until the last day. And after he put out the book, a studio picked up the movie for a film that's never been made, uh, bought the material from him, and the executive producer on the movie was Courtney Love. So I feel like <laughs> there's more there than we yeah. realize. And that's what I was going to say to Adam earlier. Like, 
around that time is when we started to change our opinion of Kurt Cobain and start to think maybe he was this junkie who didn't actually mean that much. This came out like right at the onset of online conversation and it really like led to a lot of the online conversation. I don't really want to get into his suicide death because I think a lot of conspiracy, like a lot of conspiracy theories, a lot of the things that I believed but formerly were based in a certain level of misogyny and wanting to, and cognitive dissonance and wanting to provide to myself that Kurt Cobain didn't die. And I don't know what the actual truth is behind that, but I think that book in particular was meant to kind of clear Courtney Love's name in a lot of ways. I can see that. And I just wanted to get that out of the way because like, there's a lot of, there's a couple of more songs on here that there's like a quote and it's like taken way out of context and like it's targeted in a way that makes it sound like Kurt Cobain didn't know what he was doing. And he was some ragey, out of control drug addict that didn't know what he was writing. And I don't think that's the right interpretation of what he was doing. I think at the end of the day, and it's something that we don't want to accept, maybe Kurt Cobain just wasn't as fucking deep as we thought he was. Like, maybe, like, I think, like, maybe, that's not like an insult. It's just like, I don't know, maybe Kurt Cobain was just a dude who was just really good at writing music. But, like, no. Yeah, that's my thing. It's like it, it's not an insult. It's just like maybe he was just a guy. Like when you die that young, it's easy to get kind of lionized in a right. weird way. I'm not trying to argue against that. I'm trying to argue against the idea that he was some oh, yeah, out yeah, of yeah, control, no. absolutely like angsty. Like I think it's very similar to like Pearl Jam. Like I don't think he was trying to be deep, but I think there's a lot of deepness to be found in his lyrics that translate across. I don't think he was that deep or that like wanted up profound. I just think that like. Yeah, that, that profound. I just think what he did like meant so much because it did. And I don't think that like looking at Kurt Cobain and who he was should taint that of the songs. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so, but like most of his songs have a simple point, but it's like profound the deeper you think about it. Because like yeah. I said, this is this is starting the conversation. This isn't investigating it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um Yeah. And that's uh Huh. I'll give I give all apologies a double. And it's not a song that, like, it's not one I'm going to listen to, but I respect how really good it is. Like, kind of on every level, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's it's Well, I think weird. that interpretation is what should lead us into Josh's mm-hmm. next batter. What is that again, what is Josh? Huh? Breed. Oh, I thought it was dumb. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, I'd heard this song a couple hundred times. I didn't plan on having it on here. Like, I thought it was just kind of a, a simple, like, rock song. Like, it sounds like it'd be really good for a video game commercial. I don't know if it's ever been on a video game commercial, but it just has that I feel. I doubt it. Like, but... Tony um, Hawk's Pro Skater 4. 
But no, uh, yeah, Sorry. you just kind of hear the I don't care lines and you're like, okay, this is some kind of apathy for life. Just another devil may care song by a rock band from the nineties. Um, but the chorus, it says, even if you have, even if you need, I don't mean to stare. We don't have to breed. We could plant a house. We could build a tree. I don't even care. We could have all three. So two things here. He talked about how, how most of the songs in Nevermind are about him dealing with the aftermath of his breakup with Toby Bell. And the original name of the song was Imodium after the anti-diarrheal medicine to suggest the running of the mouth. Uh, he described the song as getting into middle America, marrying at 18, getting pregnant, stuck with a baby, and not wanting it. Yep. So I kept that in mind when I heard the song. He tells her, we don't have to breathe. We can get a house, do whatever you want. But the song keeps saying, she said, without ever saying what she said. And that interested me. I think it's Cobain coping with the fact that he was spewing at the mouth, telling Toby what she could do, what she couldn't do, but never stopping to listen to what Toby wanted to do. And the song ends with him saying, she said, good. So it feels like just a self-burn and a realization that his selfish behavior is what like, what ended that relationship and him not realizing it and like him carrying like these toxic behaviors that were probably like instilled in him at a young age of, we have to establish a family, we have to do this, I'm gonna be a husband, then I'm gonna be a, and not ever stopping to think if that's what Toby wanted. And I, I think that he was really contemplating it within himself and trying to figure out if, uh, like, tr like understanding that, like, I messed up and this is me not realizing that I was telling her that she could breed or that we could plant a tree. Um, I just thought that was really cool, the way that that song, like, has a deeper level to it. Um, this is the song that panned the guitar from one channel to the next during the guitar, guitar solo to create, like, a dizzying effect, which I thought was really cool. It's fast. It's in your face. It's Kurt screaming. It never lets up. I just, I think it's a really good song. It's, I don't think I've ever heard this song before. Really? Yeah, I, I haven't listened to a ton of Nirvana. Uh, okay. like I haven't like dug into the catalog. Um, I don't really associate them with like kind of punk songs like this. Because uh, I feel like this is a punk song. Yeah, I do huh. not. I've never really associated. Like, listening to these songs you sent, I was like, oh, why did nobody ever talk about how Nirvana's a punk band? You uh, right. Yeah, like, oh, hey, this is like a good punk song. Mm -hmm. uh, like, this feels like kind of... I don't know, 90s punk before, like, 90s punk happened. Uh, yeah, I agree. This was... Like, this is pre-Dookie, which kind of opened that door. Mm -hmm. uh, but this could have been on Dookie easily, I think. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, like, like in another key. Again, a slightly brighter key. But, uh, but yeah, like, I'd, I'd never heard this song before. I think that's a really interesting uh, uh, where it's about... It's weird. It's, like, the idea of, like... Cause he was like what twenty something when he when he wrote this. He song? was let's uh, see, he was born in sixty. He was twenty three when they broke yeah. up, and probably twenty four when he wrote the song. Okay, and I think twenty four years old is a, an appropriate age to write a song where you talk about you know kind of the the death sentence that is moving to the suburbs and referring to having children as breeding. Uh, right. I think that's like if he was one year older, it might be a little like I didn't. Come on. I didn't even think about that, that, like, he yeah. calls it breeding, like how, yeah. like, dissociated like, that is. It's, like, one step off from referring to women as females. Right, uh, exactly. But I understand for the point that he's going for in this song, it makes sense. Because uh, he, I think, he wants to disassociate with that. Like, he doesn't want, you know, it's it's the type of thing where, like, he would refer to, like, a house as a domicile. Like, you know, mm -hmm. he wants to be one step back because the moment you give it a name becomes real. Uh yeah, I think we can build a tree. Yeah, 
or he can plant a house, we can build a tree. Yeah, That's so a good he, line. he does kind of yeah mix and match yeah. those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it, 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 it's. I didn't even notice that. It's like yeah. absurdist at a certain level because he doesn't want to imagine it's real. All right, yeah, no, this is a single. This is a single. I talked myself into it. I really, <laughs> I wasn't thinking about it, but yeah, thinking about like, I, I, I enjoy like. This is the type of song that I would enjoy listening to just because I, I like more like upbeat stuff like that. But like, you know, against even flow, I don't I don't think it's really there. But looking at that stuff, this idea of like looking at the, this future that he that is inevitable that he doesn't want through like an Alice in Wonderland type lens, I think is is really interesting. Uh, yeah. And I think like that's the version of deep that Cobain was. Like, I don't think he was deep on his own. Like you have to do, you have to get there. Like yeah, you have to take him there. And it's one of those things where it's like the idea of I'm in my early twenties and God, the, you know, settling down in a suburb sounds like a death sentence is just the most boring thing I've like, you know, you just, yeah. it just makes you want to call your eyes out, but it was presented in a way that's actually like, really interesting the more you look into it like it's mm-hmm. it's easy to roll your eyes at it at first which i kind of did but then like really looking at it it's like oh no this is this is conveyed in a in a a quite unique way uh so um so you got your bases loaded there josh uh what do you All got right. next come as you are uh. <laughs> disclosure this is a song i liked a lot more when i was 21 than i do today really um, interesting i just i don't know like this song didn't age well to me like it's very like uh, woe uh, is that's yeah like, i feel like look on at a how musical level just like listening to it like it's still a song that i enjoy listening to yeah but, yeah, yeah. Like, it, no I that's doubt, what i'm gonna get to i doubt it's something that i want to pull back one layer of right exactly it's um it was the natural follow-up to smells like teen spirit i think that's why it's so big because it's like the same ideas of hypocrisy and unassuredness and not knowing how to define yourself um the opening riff is really like iconic and it's I, so I really good. like it um it's just like i don't know it's got this hypnotizing feel to it but um it's also the kind of song that if you told me that the alt-right picked it up is proof that everyone's fake so why should i try to be better like you could you can convince me of that like that's this song could go either way and i don't think it's very I deep i think it's open for interpretation yeah um, it's, it's but the song had a like it could be 
picked up, like, it could be something like V for V for Vendetta, which got picked up and co-opted by exactly. the wrong people. What, what you think this song is about says a lot about who you are, I think. Like, what you, what you take away from this song says a lot about you, in my opinion. Um, I don't think the lyrics are meant to be, I, I don't know, like, obviously the line, take your time, hurry up, the choices yours don't be late, getting referenced in Blink-182's Adam song about suicide. Uh, it's just one of those songs that means a lot to certain people. And, like, it's it's not there to process the thoughts. It's not there to uh, go further with the thoughts. But it's there to, to make a point and let you discuss it. Um, it's the sixth biggest song, most streamed song of the 90s on Spotify. Uh, first, it smells like Teen Spirit. Um, also, I think it's kind of important to note, like, when we're talking about Nirvana, like, this was a weird time where self-medication was way easier to acquire than, like, therapy or actual help and like yeah if you lived in your own echo chamber like it could yep. just get worse and like oh yeah i, I don't know like it's we just it's kind of like, hard to listen to nirvana we didn't have like things like social media and the like again exactly. kind of what we come back to is to like it, it it doesn't necessarily make things like better like it doesn't treat the cause but knowing that there are other people out there that are kind of going through the same thing yeah. as you can help the symptoms mm-hmm. uh and it's something that this song like would not exist with that which you know obviously because this song is from the fucking 90s uh, yeah exactly this song oh, a lot of age is the worst yeah. out of their songs in my opinion yeah it's it's one of those things where it rings very hollow yeah exactly like, I, that's a good way to put it yeah like it's it's like it's boondock saints it's not as bad as the Boondock Saints, but anybody who, okay. who's like favorite song is this thinks like thinks they are way deeper than they are, but they are actually just parroting the bullshit of whatever they hear from whatever grifter that passes by. In the yeah, same exactly. way that people who have a Boondock Saints poster on their wall was like, oh man, this is the pinnacle of cinema and just being like, listen, I'm not here to tell you how to interpret art, but really? <laughs> really? Yeah, right. it's, it's, yeah uh, it's one of those songs that like, yeah. you don't think deeper on. Wait, wasn't say, this the one that's the banger at Unplugged? Wasn't it this one? I think All Apologies. All Apologies okay, is the yeah, one that that's really... Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, like I said, it's it's not a bad song, but it didn't really age well. It it doesn't it doesn't belong in this day and age. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, hundred percent. It's it's not a bad song, but it was good at the time. Like, uh, a lot of people associate like this with like starting the grunge movement like like uh essentially you know sort of like jesus accepting everyone as they were uh you know bring me your fucking meek your yeah uh, i can see that i've never thought about starved and stuff like that but it's about people being shitty and having shitty intentions like they tell you one thing but then they do the other uh like the contradiction in the song it's just people are bad and they're gonna do bad things uh that's the probably the most common interpretation you just made me me realize what i was trying to say basically what i'm saying is like come as you are is a good song about like accepting somebody for who they are but come as you are spreads the idea of accepting somebody for their shitty behaviors and that's what you shouldn't do don't accept somebody for their toxicity yeah that's that's pretty much what it is interpreted as. Like people yeah. are going to be shitty. Like mm-hmm. you're going to have to deal with them anyway. That's yeah. that is the interpretation. Yeah. Also, you're talking about that iconic guitar riff. 
is stolen from another song. Yeah, it is stolen. I forgot about yep. that. Yep. What song uh, is it stolen from? I, I don't remember. Uh, it's not abandoned. The Killing Joke. Yeah, oh. The Killing Joke. And it's essentially the same thing. And they were heated about it, but they didn't like sue them or anything. They, um, they started to go to court for it, but pulled out when Cobain died. That and huh. like Cobain was like one of the ones like, hey, should we fucking put this on the album? It sounds a lot like this Killing yeah. Joke song. And he did say that. Uh, I forgot about that. Their producer or manager or whatever was like, oh no, just fucking do it. Like they're not gonna do anything. It's different enough. Fucking do it. Fucking Vanilla Ice has got that little ting. Yeah, essentially. I did you go listen to the Killing Joke song? Because I didn't. But I, I, I read a lot about that, and it sounded like definitely that Nirvana was way in the wrong. Because like the band was like, "Yeah, uh, we yeah, played it's... like Aberdeen at that time. Like they would have known yeah. that we existed, and this was uh, one of our oh, good yeah. songs." And the the thing is, like the the guy that was like, "Yeah, just fucking put it on the album," uh, was like, "No, this is <clears throat> a much better song. Yeah. Like um, it's going to be way bigger than the Killing Joke song, uh, and that's why we yeah. know yeah. of this song and not the Killing Joke song." Uh, speaking of the Killing Joke song. Yep, Jesus very God! Yeah, yeah that's that is... that's totally different. I, I hear that's, it. Like I hear yeah. the difference. Like, <laughs> don't y'all? Yeah, don't no, y'all hear that difference? It's like you could you could justify it in a court because yeah. it's not exactly the same. It's there are slight differences, but dear God, I mean, it's the same court. Well, it's the difference between porn yeah, and art. Like exactly. you know it when you see it. But yeah, I know. That's I the same it. fucking. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like talking about like like. The idea of, like, the difference between acceptance and, like, I think Come As You Are could have a really good message if it wasn't done in such a resigned way. Mm-hmm. It is a resigned acceptance. Yeah. Uh, in a way That's that a is, isn't, isn't, isn't healthy for anybody. Uh, so, yeah, Come As You Are strikes out. Um, we are, and also, again, I think that, um, mm-hmm. that unhealthy, like, like, accepting people that are unhealthy yeah. is part of, like, what undid Cobain in the end. Yeah, like, he just... 100%. And I think but. a lot of that was the '90s, like just kind of that era. It's like everything's like the '80s were terrible. It's only going to get worse. So like, why should we ask anybody to better themselves? Fuck it, just burn the whole thing down. Uh, and that's why comes your strikes out. Uh, we are once again knocking on the door of three hours. Hey, Josh, what's next? Swap meet. to include this song because like i went and listened to every nirvana song to get ready for this they only have three albums so it's not like a big feat but like that first album bleach is just a straight like punk rock album like so many of the songs sound like motorhead it is ridiculous yeah like this is just um, a punk song yeah this is just a straight up punk rock song and like i think that's what like they were shooting to do for a long time um 
the first album, like, I just wanted to get that first album included on there. Like, it's a song, a very simple song about a misconnection. Um, it's just one of the easier songs by Nirvana to take in. It sounds pretty good. Um, most of the songs on Bleach were about, like, like not fitting in. Songs like School and about, like, fragile masculinity, like Mr. Mustache, which I think about. But that song's, like, really heavy, but it's hard to listen to, so I didn't choose it. But um, I think it's just cool that, like, Nirvana, like, could do these super, like, songs that you have to sit and discuss. Like, what does that mean? Like, we're having, like, a book club about these songs. But, like, we don't have to have that about this song. Like, it's just a simple song, and it's kind of easy to yeah. listen to. And one that, like, this is, you could throw on a little playlist. This is, like, the uh, natural uh, progression of the Sex Pistols. Yeah. That's a, you know, that's a good point. Like, yeah. Without like, as much of the, um, the bad. Uh, yeah, like... Where it's one of those things where it's like it's not really trying to say anything; it's just trying to sound a certain way. Um, and yeah, it's just very different. Like this is not like man. When you think about Nirvana, this is not what comes to you. Uh, yeah. Like what what really comes to mind. Uh, but it's just like it's fine, and I think that's kind of its undoing against a song like Even Flow. Okay. Yeah, I just uh, wanted to include it. I wanted to include something. I'll give you from. a little little depth on okay. what i found on it right. as well uh i mean i i fucking dislike this song totally but uh it's it's just not my cup of tea i I'm could see not saying it's putting, bad i just yeah i could see me like putting it. this song on a playlist and like being like oh yeah Skipping this song when it comes around time. no like I, I mean like it'll come up and be like oh yeah this song and Skipping listen it to it but time. then like not going out of my way for it yeah i got you uh so uh kurt grew up in you know, fucking small town, what, Washington, and yeah. there's these swap meets all the time, and it's essentially about him people watching at a swap meet, and these two people that uh, love each other, but they're too busy doing swap meet shit to even, like, pick up on that the other is interested in them, and they just never get together. It's like John said, it's those missed connections. Uh, these two local people that go to the fucking swap meet every second Saturday I don't... and see each other and have a booth across from each other or next to each other or something, and they just never click. I don't think it's about being too busy. I think it's about not wanting to risk like the hurt because it's like the yeah the lead into the like main verses time that is comfortable they travel too far they travel far to keep their stomachs full like i think it's just not a, it's it's written like by a 19 year old who's like that's not how you live you got to go risk it like like adam was saying about um breed like it's you like it's about like not like the worst life to a teenager is a is a boring life like yeah i think that's what it's about it's just not wanting to be boring yeah i didn't mean like too busy doing the swap meet stuff i mean like they like they're not focused on that aspect of their life. Like they're doing other shit rather than worrying about being someone. I disagree because like there's lines that okay. are like keep his cigarettes close to his heart, keep his her photograph close to her heart, keep the bitterness close to the heart. Like I think they thought about this a lot. Like I think it was something that crossed their minds, but they were never willing to take the chance. Okay. Yeah. I think we're I saying the same thing. I mean, thing, yeah, but it's it's pretty close yeah. to the same thing. That's really splitting hairs. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but you know, and that's that's what makes art art. But nah, this one strikes out swing. What you got next, Josh? Dumb. Damn. All right. Fine. Fuck you then. Dumb. Swap all right. Banger. Ain't my fault you don't like good fuck music. Fuck you then. Uh. Fucking Pearl Jam wins. Shit. I'm not that guy back in town. The sun is gone. I had a light. The day is done. 
Can't believe Josh is All right. dead. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I think this is the the song is the best proof that Cobain was going to outgrow the "woe is me, the world is against me" mentality because this. I mean, it's just so yeah. commonly associated with him, but this song just goes against that. It's we get to hear, um, you know, we get to hear some really complex emotions on this song, and um, it was, um, you know, for better or worse, In Utero was what it was like for him to settle in with Courtney Love and have a kid with have Francis, and like, um, it's an album about acceptance. Songs like All Apologies and Dumb, but also like songs that aren't good, like rape me and heart shaped box that weren't going to make my list i'm surprised um, heart shaped box didn't but then i thought about heart shaped box and i was like yeah it's it's really nasty um i think he thought like i don't know i think he got too caught up in his own poetry and didn't realize that that doesn't work but uh, yeah the broken hymen of your highness yeah it's uh yeah, it's a bad song yeah it's not great but i think that um what he's explaining here like the um just wanting to be happy and like being okay being dumb like not worrying about how like intelligent you are i think like that was something that escaped him so often that he just struggled with it to a point um he just couldn't get a, like he could not grasp that idea like he says that he like talks about getting high on the song he talks about how he had to pretend to grasp it and how like he just wishes he was dumb like he he doesn't understand like yeah what it's like and um i think that was him like getting out of the angst out of the alienation because remember like he wrote this song when he was 25. Like, think of where we were when we were 25 and, like, how willing wanna. we would be to accept that we were dumb. Like, yeah, that's, it, it's, it's, like, a, it's a thing that happens. Like, yeah, you learn you don't want to be smart at a 100%. certain point. Um, I, I think, um, I think, and it's something that we, I know we've talked about before. It's that I think a big part of growing up and kind of maturing into an adult, and I don't mean, like, turning 18. I mean, like, mid-late 20s when you actually grow up. Uh, mm-hmm. is re- yeah, exactly. Is, is, is realizing you're too, like... Is finally realizing that, like, you, that for your whole life up to this point, especially for folks like us, who exactly, like yeah. not to like toot the horn, but like we were all in, you know, gifted programs. We were all told that we were smart and special, and this and that and the other, and that life and, was going to be easy. And and you have to come to this realization. And for me, like there is a solid line in the sand of, of who I was before and who I was after. When you realize that you're too smart to know how dumb you are, and, yeah, I think, and kind of coming to that realization, I think is so important. And and I I appreciate seeing that from somebody like Kurt Cobain, who is always viewed as this like genius of him just being like, I don't know, maybe I'm just fucking dumb. Yeah, like, I also, think it's um, I could just be happy. Like maybe that's what makes you happy. Right. Um, Frances Bean, his daughter, has a quote in the song about the song. She says, I cry every time I hear that song. It's a stripped down version of Kurt's perception of himself, of himself on drugs, off drugs, feeling inadequate to be titled the voice of a generation. And like, I get like the hurt in the song, but also I think that there's an element of acceptance to it. Like this. No, this is who I am. Like, I'm not supposed to be this voice. I'm not like this this song. Like when I started making my song, this was. Yeah. Um, a review of the song in Rolling Stone said that it replaced mm-hmm. Nevermind's misanthropy with earnest self-reflection. And oh, like, that's just a really good way to put it. That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, because like Nevermind is so just like everything sucks. Yeah, everything and, sucks, and I was supposed to be handed better. Like, yeah, life was supposed I, to be better than this, and yeah, it isn't. Like, Why? Everything sucks. I deserve more. What's the point? Who cares? Like, if you like anyone who cares is dumb, which yeah, I think exactly. is a lot of like early grunge and just a lot of being a kid. You know, it's just like a lot of being under 23. Uh, is yeah, that I agree. Feeling. 
Um, yeah, I think Dumb gets on first. Sends a sends a sends a guy home. I can't. I don't think it's gonna like. I think this song is really important in the context of what Nirvana is. I think outside of that, yeah. it's an okay song, but I think, but, if, but like when you've been talking that, about Nirvana for an hour, like yeah. this song matters more with than with that context does. and just kind of like remembering how it felt when I kind of, you know, dumb gets on second dumb sense to home, like kind of remembering how it felt when, when you, or like when I kind of first came, like had that first like feeling where it's like, Oh, what if I'm not shit? And that's yeah. the whole point. Uh, and kind of like, that is an important thing that everybody, I think on some level needs to, to make their way to, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so we got a <laughs> run on second, run on third, two to three, two outs. What's next, Josh? Um, in bloom. So uh, I want to correct something I messed up earlier. Um, I credited that quote to a Rolling Stones dude. It was Will Bryan of Pitchfork. Um, oh, I'm never mind. To then. Stick up the wrong person's ass. Oh man. Um, I'm mad Pitchfork said something decent. It was it was thirty years ago. We don't that's, like that's like, fair. Don't know. All uh, right. So about In Bloom, um, I think this is like their Barton Fink. Like this song is just super meta and very self aware of what they are like this is like breaks down the fourth wall in ways that a lot of songs don't um nirvana spent a lot of time attacking like machismo and like just the toxic masculinity around them like that was one of the things they really railed against but it became so associated with their sound because it's so heavy and like the drums come in so strong and like it's just one of those things and they made this song very sing-songy on purpose like this was the song that they talked about wanting to sound like our rem too oh I because they that. wanted like this, it to this, sound like a really pretty this song is like very rem yeah um um, at this point, Nirvana was really tightly interwoven with the rock girl movement and Bikini Kill. Um, I think, hold on. No, this is right. Um, yeah, so when this song was written, um, Cobain was dating Vale and Dave Grohl was dating Kathleen Hanna. Um, yeah. And, like, that's who they were, like, hanging out with, and that's what they went home to every night, but, like, with. But, like, when they were playing their shows, it was just a bunch of dudes, guys being dudes, and, like, 
you know, they sounded like Soundgarden and Alice in Chains and like bands that they didn't really want, like they didn't really care that much to be associated with. Um, they said the original song sounded like a Bad Brain song and Kurt wanted to make it more poppy so it would maybe cross over and like the lyrics are pretty like self-explanatory. Like there's this guy that listens to our song, but he doesn't care to understand what we're talking about. Kind of yeah, like the V for Vendetta fact, Matrix. Like, yeah, and the fact that it's just the chorus is so sing-songy. Like, yeah, exactly. Also, um, the harmonizing in this song is Dave Grohl. Yeah, it him was and Dave. One of his first singing performances. Man, I think in and, Bloom uh, is yeah. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, so it is. It's essentially just shit talking those on fans. Yeah. Like they they are at every show. <laughs> they know all the words. They are singing along in the front row, but that motherfucker don't know what it means. He, he never gives two thoughts. But and yeah, like they were doing that. And it's ironically just very fucking catchy. Like it is a catchy song, but that's why it's getting walked. Uh, nice. Go to the next one. Get out of here. Wow. I know it's lithium. So it's going to send them home. But oh man, so you're gonna you're gonna tie it you're gonna tie it up. It's three three. It's three three. Oh, now. That doesn't that doesn't walk. No no no. The runner on yeah. There's oh that's bases right. loaded. I'm sorry. Right? I'm sorry. No no bases no. Bases no, no, loaded no. now. Yeah, the is but now. yeah. Wolf. Lithium is either gonna that's tie the... it up. Yeah, lithium's next. Be done. That's that's the uh, that's the right call because I think yeah. in bloom is my even flow for Nirvana. I think in bloom is. Yeah, a, I, is I think I think that song's a masterpiece. It's I a think, really good song. I think it's man. It's it would be like if the Beastie Boys released a song shitting on all the folks who really loved Five Year Right to Party. Speaking uh, of uh, Beastie like Boys, you. Kathleen Hanna. Like, yeah, she dated, was the, what is it? The lead Sorry. singer of Bikini Kill and like yeah. the leader of the right girl movement yeah. and like a super like relevant feminist today. Yeah. Like she just did an interview that I read where she went back and she was like, I wish I could go back to the 90s and be more yeah. inclusive of people of color because I regret a lot of it. She's just an incredible person who gets yeah. it. She dated Dave Grohl, married oh, she's Ad-Rock. Married, she's married to Ad-Rock, that's married right. Married to Ad-Rock and she spent her life yeah. trying to destroy the... um. The patriarchy. Is that the yes. greatest fuck Mary kill in the history of the game? <laughs> fuck, fuck Dave Grohl, Mary Adrock, kill the patriarchy. Oh man, that's Wolf. You had that one ready, didn't you? I did. Um hold on a second. What's the we're getting near the end here. What's the thing? The next you one's want, lithium. What's the thing you wanted me to say? Hold on a oh, second. Um break it in find... song number nine. We'll talk about it in the last song. Okay. Um But yeah, that's uh I really think Hannah is like yeah. an underrated figure in like pop culture and yeah. where we are today. She's she's I, worth looking into, and not yeah. just for Rebel Girl. Oh yeah, and yeah, I I love um I really love it. I can't like every time I hear that song, I forget it how much I love that song. Like it's because it's so interesting because it's like the lyricism, like the, like the, what the song is about is like kind of right up my alley because I love shit like that. But again they really achieved their goal of writing an incredibly catchy song. Like it, it is really catchy. You want to sing the chorus and just like the way the drums, like it's, was this on a rock band? Air drum it. No, I think the only one that was ever on anything was smells like teen spirit. About girl was on like guitar hero five. Oh no, I'm sorry. Uh, heart shape box was on guitar hero two. Oh, um, yes, but it was a cover. Ooh. Um, because it was before they really got masters for the songs, um, and uh, Guitar Hero Five was the one with Kurt Cobain in it. Oh uh, yeah, 
and I've always, I remember listening to podcasts. So like, there were a bunch of musicians in Guitar Hero Five, um, that like you could play against and whatnot. Um, but they end up, uh, they end up being um unlockable characters. Okay. And I remember hearing. Uh, someone, oh yeah. Yeah, to the point where like that's not necessarily what people wanted um uh I, I, there was a really good quote from jeff gersman uh, at giant bomb where he said like it's the near mythic legacy that he left behind and the way that the nirvana catalog has been protected for commercial interests over the years that makes this stuff sting so much mm-hmm. um and like and, and courtney love was out being like hold up i did not know that he was going to be uh like Unlockable. a playable character like they were saying like he should be there if you're playing Nirvana songs. You shouldn't be able to. And I remember hearing someone say, "Proof that ghosts don't exist is the fact that um, Kurt Cobain could be used to play um, uh, uh, to play like a Flava Flav song." <laughs> In Guitar Hero Five, the fact that yeah. he has the fact that the, no one has said the ger- ghost of Kurt Cobain won't leave me alone after that happened is proof that ghosts don't exist. Yeah. Also, uh, I remember the joke was to play "Head Like a Hole" by Nine Inch Nails that's with Kurt right. Cobain. That is right. Yeah, that was bad. Um, okay, so we got one more bases loaded, three, three, two outs. No, we got two more. After this, we got one more. That's right. I'm so happy Cause today Found my friends Here in my head I'm so ugly That's okay Cause so are you Hacking the system. I am. Um. So lithium may be their most like, woe is me, like the world suck because I hate everything song. Like it's very dark, very morbid, and like I didn't want to include a lot of songs like that because like it's what Nirvana is, and I really wanted to search them out. But this is like the the big one. Like this is the one. It's um it's about coping with his breakup with Vale, and like it's where he took a dark turn, and it's one of those songs like um about the drugs and about the self medication and like him being able to find a way to deal with it on his own. But um we're past that point. We're at the 30 year point. I, I thought it was really cool to look back on that and like, see how he had to deal with it that way, even though he's one of the most influential people at the time. Um, but like the structure of this song is incredible. Um, like the way that, um, I, I don't know the, 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 the soft to loud, the soft to loud, the developing variation is what Butch Vig called it. Like I thought it was really cool in this song. Um, another cool thing about this song that we'll really get to in song nine is that, um, this is the song that ended it with their previous drummer, Chad Channing. Um, Cobain didn't like how he was playing the song and was like, I can't sing like these songs I want to with him. Let's try out somebody new. They brought in Grohl and it was like immediately like they matched the in-your-face style. Um, 
But like listening to this song now, like I don't think that like he meant for it to be deep, but like I, you just spend a lot of time contemplating with your own vices when you listen to this song. And like, am I am I doing this right? Like, I'm not gonna crack. Is that the correct way to approach things? Like, is it okay to crack? Like, I don't know. I've spent a, I've listened to this song a lot, and this is the song that made me want to like really re like investigate what Nirvana meant because like you know I grew up where Nirvana was like a big voice for me to like listen to and figure out what I wanted to um what I really wanted like to believe that Nirvana was about. And, like this is just the kind of song where it's like. They started the conversation, but they never finished it. And like this song doesn't like, it's just, it's just one of those songs where you have to really think about like what the lyrics are about. It's one of those songs that leaves you thinking more so than it answers any questions. And I think like it comes from a guy that was very troubled at a very troubled point, And like, that's okay. But like, I don't know. Um, this is one of their biggest songs. This is a song that has a really cool sound. And I think the, I'm so happy because today I found my friend and I'm not scared. And like, the way he compares those vices to like relying on religion or something is really cool. And for the nineties, that was something that you didn't know that other people were doing. Like you didn't know that other people were seeing religion through that lens and seeing how there was a way to mislead yourself into the wrong vices in different aspects. And I just think it's a cool song of catching somebody at that moment, like that inflection point where things are going bad and which path do you choose? And are you going to go down the wrong path? And are things going to get worse for you? Are you going to sulk in yourself and, think that the world owes you something and you know i just thought it was a really cool yeah. moment like i don't think the song's that great i think talking about the song is more important yeah. than listening to the song uh, i'm inclined to agree um, it's uh it, it's at this point where you kind of the formula starts to starts to peek its head through yeah exactly um, yeah uh but so josh i uh, think this is uh and sorry to interrupt you no, Adam. Go ahead. i just i just wanted to put you know, my two cents in. Uh, <clears throat> good song. Catchy. Uh, I don't know if it's about what you're saying it's about, Josh, but lithium is, or, you know, a lithium salt is usually the ingredient in uh, depression and manic depression medication, and this song is pretty much an embodied Okay. Version of manic depression, like you know, it's got the really high highs and then the really low lows. Like it's super fast. Super yeah. So slow. I read it was about. Um, I've read that lithium was more for bipolar disorder, which would have been me going down the wrong path. And I thought I mean, that's, that's why I like that song. That's, that's bipolar manic is depression manic is. depression. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Manic yeah, depressive yeah. bipolar disorder. Sorry. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that was cool. I forgot to mention that. that like, and the also, song like, matches. Also, like. The, to like right at the beginning of the song it starts with i'm so happy and then i'm so ugly like mm -hmm. you know uh yeah so josh and, and again a yeah. lot of people didn't like mm -hmm. a lot of people didn't have people saying that like that was something that was okay like people yes. were dealing with that on their own yeah. back in the day yeah and that was only i mean that was only yeah. 30 years ago but still it, things oh, have changed yeah. a lot like for all the things the internet have given us that like level of like inclusion is maybe the most important like, yeah it's, it might it's, be yeah like that's like whenever somebody wants to like scoff at like social media and the like it's like no it's 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 allowed us to not only see countless different viewpoints from ours it, it allows us to see how many people are struggling with the same things that we are and like um, for me personally like growing up in a like yeah. small town like i didn't i wasn't super like involved in internet socializing until like you know until like 2005 until i was hitting that point where i was thinking about things so like nirvana meant something to me like these kind of things were like i could see people that were really you know, dealing with things that like, I didn't know that other people were dealing with that actually mattered to me for a minute. Like it was, it wasn't long. Like, it wasn't like I grew up with this, but there was a minute before the internet really took over my life that like, 
that I had the internet for that, which is a much better like vehicle for like understanding oh, yeah. that inclusion. But like, there were a lot of bands that really meant something to me from that aspect. Yeah. Uh, so I've said I hadn't said it in quite a while, uh, but a few years ago, I made the fairly controversial statement that I still like fifty fifty standby. Uh, that, like, you know, looking back, once kind of everything is, is, is done here, that the lasting legacy of Nirvana might be the band that held Dave Grohl back. Uh, what, what do you, what do you, I, I, right. what do you have to say about that? So, I mean, we talked about it a lot, and I mean, I'm obviously a huge Grohl fan, and like, that matters, um... That, like that, I don't know. Foo Fighters are really great. Like they matter so much. So I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to like say what I wanted to say about it, and I came up with a pretty good baseball analogy. So uh, the '90s time when albums were at their peak, like albums were selling like nothing else. Um, rock music in general had probably hit like its apex, like it was all downhill after this. But um, baseball did the same thing. Baseball peaked in the '90s, coming into the strike, and right after the strike, oh, like right okay. after the. When the steroid era happened is kind of when baseball started to fall off, and that's 98. And the last, like, baseball hero that the nation shared was King Griffey Jr. Um, King Griffey Jr. had really a two-year peak. Like, we think about Griffey playing for a lot longer than that and being bigger than they was. Um, in 96, he won the uh, MVP. He led the league in home runs, and he was probably the best outfielder in the league at the time. He made it to the playoffs with a really bad team and almost single-handedly beat the Yankees. Like, I believe... He hit a home run and then threw somebody home at, out at home in the same inning of a playoff game. And like after the and like this is also the time when King Griffey Jr. baseball is coming out. And like Griffey was larger than life. And Griffey was like this huge, like he was just a big deal. Like you could not get away from Griffey. And if I asked Andy, if I asked you who's a better baseball player, King Griffey or Mike Trout, who would you say? King Griffey Jr. Okay. So that's the common like that's that's what most people would say. Like if you didn't actually like if you looked if you just thought about it, you'd say Griffey Jr. probably one of the best players ever. But Griffey got hurt a lot later in his career, and like his career never peaked again. Like, I like he made one All Star game after like two thousand. Like his peak was really short. He spent it's not a lot of time getting to the head hurt. But no, no. But like he spent a lot of time getting there. He hit fifty eight home runs in ninety seven, and then it was like DL, like injury, like another injury here, and like Griffey faded, and like people didn't care. Like Griffey still, like people would still argue Griffey to the death as the best player of the nineteen nineties. Like even though Bonds won seven MVPs or whatever. But, like, Griffey is Nirvana. Like, Griffey encapsulates everything Nirvana is. The Foo Fighters came out after and came about in a time when ba when rock music was kind of dying. And my honest-to-God opinion was that if there were other bands with as much influence as Foo Fighters, Foo Fighters would be bigger than Nirvana. I, I agree. Like, I love the Foo Fighters, and they are one of my favorite bands. Um, they won, like, four of five – or four of their five albums from, like – 99 to 2009 won best best rock album and like i mean everybody like foo fighters probably their approval ratings like 99 percent. like they're just universally beloved and they're yeah, incredible like, and yeah they don't do they're they're very inoffensive and i don't mean that mm -hmm. in a bad way yeah exactly. like they use it a bad way but like yeah no they're just really pleasant like yeah, just exactly. about everybody can find something to like about them and um so i know a lot of people don't watch baseball anymore but mike trout is currently the best baseball player alive He's about to win his fourth MVP. He's um, on pace to be the greatest baseball player ever. Um, an advanced stat called wins above replacement. He just passed Derek Jeter, who played for 21 years. Trout's in his eighth year. 
Um, statistically, Trout's the greatest player to ever live. Um, he's going to hit 50-something home runs this year while also being the best outfielder, while also getting on base 45% of the time, which is like unspeakable. Like Ruth and Bonds have done that and nobody else. Uh, he's basically Barry Bonds with speed. Like he is an incredible baseball player that no one knows or cares about because baseball yep. doesn't matter anymore. I don't I exactly. didn't know like, who he was. That's the only reason I said and, Ken Griffey Jr. was better. And like um, the Foo Fighters, like Trout is very – like you're never going to hear about Trout in the news. Like Trout does not care. Trout's biggest sponsor is some like uh, Philly cheesesteak shop back in Philly where he's from. Like he signed his extension two years ahead of time because he didn't want to deal with all the hassle over getting it done. But like – so baseball experts, you asked any – like baseball experts, they would tell you Trout's better than Griffey. But if you asked an everyday fan, they would tell you Griffey is way better than this guy I've never heard of. Um, and be. I think that's the Foo Fighters and Nirvana. I really think that people that really liked rock music into the 2000s will tell you that the Foo Fighters are a, a superior band. Like they are so incredible. And like, I cannot say how much the Foo Fighters mean to me. Like they're just one of those bands that every album that came out meant something to me. And like 2004 up until like a couple yeah, years like, ago, like you can, you can chart formative points in your life through Foo Fighters albums. Exactly. Yeah. It's uh yeah. Cool like, for y'all. I it's would like, say if you could is count, the, like, this is like the the in your honor era. This is the Echo Silence, Patience and Grace time, you know. Because yeah. like I associate so much of Echo Silence, Patience and Grace with when the three of us first met. Yeah, and like, that was the album in my car at the time. Like that yeah, was like, the album that I had. Going when I in listen my car. to that album, when I like hear the Pretender and and stuff like that, I think about the three of us at summer college. Uh, I think about you it. going to see them. Like after summer college and us fucking geeking out over it, like that. I yeah. associate so much of that album with that time. Also, yeah, I think that um, one was it. Bullets from my Valentine album that you had in your car was it? Scream Aim Fire. Who did Scream Aim? Oh, Fire? that was uh, Escape the Fate. That yeah. But Scream Aim Fire was by Bullets from my Valentine, but Escape the yes. Fate was the one I had in my car. You had the? I thought you had the anyway. Yes, anyway. I might have had Scream Aim Fire in my car. You might have. Listen, it was two thousand nine. So, but uh, yeah, this was think... two thousand eight. But yeah. I think the Foo Fighters are better. I just think that yeah. like they came about at a time when it didn't matter as much. And that's yeah. really sad for Trout and Foo Fighters. Yeah. But for the people that know Grohl and the people that appreciate Grohl, I think uh Yes. He's gonna live on for a long time. He's definitely like, like his his know, legacy on my is... Mount Rushmore, Mount Rushmore of musicians. Oh yeah. Um But for Lithium like I think Lithium's fine. But I think the I think the, the, the cracks start to show. A yeah. Bit. No, he says he's and, not gonna crack. Um, he said that specifically. <laughs> you can't do that to him. Well, we can't <laughs> fucking take y'all out anywhere. Don't say dumb shit like that. So, so lithium strikes out. What do we do if there's a tie? I don't know. Call it. They were the same. Like they were very similar. I think that's a yeah. good thing. Yeah. I, I, I have so. one song left. Yeah, if you want to play out with it, I'll explain yeah. it. But, uh, no, yeah, uh, it's trash, yeah, that's... but yeah, it's still strike out too. <laughs> Actually, it's... don't hate that song. Uh, so, yeah, um, so like, the yes. reason I included this song is because um, Dave Grohl cared. Like the first part, like you know, it's like when you're playing rock band with yeah. a bunch of people, and like the mm -hmm. guitar arms is tired and he stops playing. Yeah, but the drummer has to carry it. Just that keeps is the going. that yep. is this song because right. like you could tell me that Kurt Cobain like died halfway through this song, and they, you wouldn't know because Grohl oh, was yeah. just carrying music, it. Fucking great. Um, 
beginning of that song is the most fucking edgelord bullshit so i looked up that to see what it was about because like this song is credited to the dude who wrote it the song that's based off of is some jazz song from like 1950 that has like 300,000 plays on spotify um it's called let's get together if you want to listen to it it's um it's really nothing i don't know how chris novoselic knew what it was but um yeah this song um it's a punk rock song very punk rock but it is like the opening line is punk song when i was an alien cultures weren't opinions like cobain wrote that about um how the town he's from was like an invasion of a native american area and like how they were asked to move out and like i really think that like translates well to like gentrification and the stuff we're dealing with today oh Um, yeah that was a lot of like that's like there's another line later that's just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not behind you or something like that which on its own doesn't like doesn't say much but i think it's really about like you know what the native americans were dealing with um, it's the song they destroyed the set on SNL to. Um, it was an attack of like the macho man who felt like he was owed everything. And like it might, out of all their songs, it might've aged the best, even though it's something. I don't I've, dislike it. Like I would have really disliked the song when I was like 18. I don't just like it. I, right. I was not a, I was not like, I had a less tolerance for punk back then. I'm still not a huge yeah. punk guy, but like, I don't know. I can appreciate it. Dave's beating the shit out of them drums. He beats the fuck out of them. He really does. And man, yeah, Dave. I I really like like with In Utero, like you really get to see Grohl and Cobain starting to mesh a little better. Like I think that Cobain wrote a bunch of songs and Grohl was like, yeah, I'll play those drums. But I really think Cobain made a concerted effort to include Grohl like in what made Nirvana special. And like this is one of those songs where it kind of bleeds through. Even though this is the end of Nevermind, but like it's just one of those songs where like. I really like Grohl. Like, I have a soft spot for Dave Grohl. And because of that, I really appreciated this song because it showcased who he was as a drummer even before he became, like, a world-renowned rock star. And, like, I'm so glad that he didn't stay as a drummer, but he was such a good drummer. Yeah, he is a a transcendent drummer. One of my favorite things is when they were um, touring with uh, Cage the Elephant. Cage the Elephant's, like, drummer, like, broke their arm or something like that. So Dave Grohl was just like, I'll do it, and just, like, learned all their songs on drums in, like, a day and played drums for them. And like when they open for the Foo Fighters, because that's just what he does. Uh, one of the uh, one of the matchups we contemplated doing was Foo Fighters versus Chili Peppers, but we uh, have no belief that you could a... be an unbiased judge. Oh, not at all. I also come on, come on, <laughs> come on, come on. Like that could be one that like <clears throat> me and you that like Andy umps. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, I can see that, but like I just I don't know. It's fucking yeah, really I mean, I'm down really for that. Like, I, that's that's what yeah. we were talking but, like, about. Like honestly, who would, who would I we don't. Get to do? I don't know if I could get down to nine. <laughs> I don't. God, that would be tough. It'd be nothing but yeah. deep cuts, and y'all would be in or Andy at least would just be pissed off. Just like really, like okay, really? yeah, well. Uh, this like, one strikes out too. Yeah, you gotta fucking really like good, you, you fucking you breaking out fucking <laughs> gimme stitches. Where's learning you piece of shit? 
Fucking Marigold? That's a Nirvana song, you dumb yeah. motherfucker. Andy would play the best of you without you knowing. The yeah. best! The yeah. best! Yeah. Oh, man, you should have... Um, Home run, right there. You should have uh, should have picked Marigold. That would have been an easy one. It took uh, all I had not to put uh, Sentless Apprentice on this list, because, oh, like, it, is, it sounds a lot like a race replace, but it is yeah. trash. Like, it is really? not a good song. I don't think I've ever heard it. It's It sounds uh, like a bastardized Foo Fighters song. Uh, like, it really does. Yeah. Was, but, was, and... Uh, your all your stuff about uh, Nirvana, like what they what the songs meant and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it goes back to what Adam said. Like, what if he was just fucking making songs? Like, I mean, why why do we? How can we? Uh, how can we put this much meaning into the little bit of shit that put out? I'm not saying they're bad songs. I'm not saying they don't sound good. I'm not saying. The lyrics don't have some meaning, but I don't think we can put as much meaning on them as we are trying to. So, like when I when I when I chose Nirvana Pearl Jam, like that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make sure I wasn't making up what these songs meant. And like with some of them, I realized like I was I was way off, and like I was overanalyzing, like "Come as You Are" and songs like that. But like I, I think he just really had a, like I I don't think he's like super deep. Like I think that Pearl Jam like has a different kind of depth that's just as deep like yeah, i couldn't it's, argue it's with any of those songs on their depth of emotion from pearl jam uh like the nirvana stuff it seems like uh kind of like what you said well the like it's broad strokes but you have to squint to see the picture yeah which i don't think there's anything like wrong with that like no i didn't say i don't think like wrong it's, with it's, that. Yeah. i guess it's more abstract i guess would be the way yeah. to put it like yeah and I think that's it's it's more up to interpretation. It's yeah, I think I agree. And yeah. Picasso Which I think versus why... uh, fucking Van Gogh, like it's this wild shit. Yeah, they both mean whatever. So thought it. Yeah, and they're... then uh, it. They're it is crazy. A band. Yeah, it is crazy that a band that seems like they could like so many people like wouldn't like wouldn't care to under like wouldn't think it's deep like not saying they're wrong like wouldn't think that they were saying anything like it's crazy mm-hmm. that they got so big like yeah. i really think it just matters because of the time and people were looking for anything that said what they were thinking yeah and like it it know. was it was like nirvana was uh putting this together for the type of people that they were you know six years before yeah and yeah uh knowing uh, that everybody was still like them yeah you know that would hear their songs and mm-hmm. it would hit home, home with several people as opposed to uh like making this actual you know profound statement it's just like hey this is what happened let me so, make um, this into a song and y'all take it as you want like I think that like all the stuff you're saying also applies to Pearl Jam. Like I think that Pearl Jam yeah. like, had a very lasting impact. Like I don't think that Pearl Jam was as deep as they were impactful. Like I think a lot of bands that came after these two bands will tell you that those two bands are the reason they did what they did because they felt heard their songs, they felt something, and they wanted to write it themselves. Yeah, like um, Pearl Jam like, or sorry, Nirvana. Nirvana saw that no one was making songs for them, so they decided to do it themselves. Yeah, that's right, and that's at. why they were so, and still are so influential. Yeah, I think um, I think when you look at like the darkness and like Pearl Jam saying things that people didn't want to say and saying it from a place of heart, like that's where we get Nine Inch Nails from. And I think at the same time, 
Nirvana saying stuff that was a little socially challenging and trying to make a point that um, was a little different and like making somebody heard. I think that's where you get Dookie by Green Day from. Like I think like music evolved and like it got picked up by somebody after these two bands really made an impact. And like 91 to 94, they're just so vital. Like music really changed at that point. And it's because of like these two artists specifically, like you can say sound. hundred percent. Like, no, like these it two, was Nirvana and Pearl Jam. Like there they, is a line. They changed the conversation. They yes. basically opened a door to a different yep. room of people to have that conversation. Oh yeah. There was a world before and, Nirvana and Pearl Jam. There's a world after Nirvana and Pearl Jam. I really think it's appropriate that it's a tie. I mean, yep. I just think like yep. these two bands are hundred percent. I think like, if it's ever going to be a tie, it should be the, these two bands for their own separate reasons. Like it's not because they're the same, but it's because they're like they're different together. If that makes any sense, uh, yeah, I agree. But yeah, I think so. the same uh, thing. Yeah, different that's ways. The, um, yeah, that's the uh, that's the end of another marathon. Uh, <laughs> that uh, one. This, this one really dragged on. What are we at? Like three and I have a no half idea. So? No idea. What time? What time is it? I had nine twenty-four. What time did we start? I have no idea. We'll find out in a minute. Uh, so, play yeah, us out. so yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I'm gonna play the song that didn't get picked because I really like it. Uh, thank you, Josh. Thank you, Andy. We will be back at some point in the near future, probably around two weeks or so, maybe three. Uh, do we know what we're doing next? No. Okay. Cool. Wait. Wow. Well, uh, <laughs> we um. So we've talked about trying to change yeah. things up. Um, yeah. For me, this was a big like introspective thing and me figuring out something that I had dealt with. I think for the next one, we're going to try to go and do something that I haven't ever really given the time of day that it needed. Um, I'm not sure if we've decided, so I'm not going to say, but I think the next one's going to be a big change and it's going to be something that I'm a lot less comfortable with. And I think that's going to okay. be a good thing. All right. Okay. 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 All right. Cool. Okay. All right. Cool. All right. Play okay. us out, dude. Play us out. Fuck it up. <laughs>